Hello listeners, it's me Greg Dalmich. I am the host today and right now I'm just going to run right into that news because we did a kind of a, a special intro last time, skipped over a bunch of news since episode 189 or 191. That's like two whole episodes of news that you may have missed. And well, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, before we get into features proper, as I usually do, I just want to remind folks that uh, black lives still matter as of this recording and any other recording for that matter, but I refer specifically to the movement uh, and supporting that movement that's been gaining uh, a lot of necessary recognition down in the United States and worldwide, since it's not just a uh, United States problem. We have that problem more than enough up here in Canada as well. And uh, you can read RPG fans' statement on that matter, and please go check that statement out. Find ways that through our resource links that we've posted there to lend support where you can if you're able to protest, if you're comfortable with that, given these COVID times, do it. If you can bring people water, do it. If you can give them money, do it. Do whatever you feel best. But if you have it in you to help, please do it. Uh, with that being said, on to our features, which I'm going to start with Crowdfunding Chronicles. Tina Ola has not stopped, and we've got some lovely looking games. Weaving Tides looks pretty as all get out. Just a very neat Zelda adventure kind of inspired game that's just... Oh, it's all kind of lushness, and I really can't wait to see this thing through to completion. It looks... it's outstanding. The next one she looked at was Black Book, which uh, it's a really cool like RPG, once again, with the Slavic mythology, which I have uh, recently really enjoyed, which I experienced when I was playing Thea the Awakening. So this uh, RPG adventure has a card-based combat. It looks stylish as heck as well. I just... yeah, I like that mythology, and it looks really neat how they're going to be capturing it here. And then the final entry uh, to get us up to date here is Externus Path of the Solari, which is a neat-looking strategy action RP- or, sorry, tactical strategy RPG um, that's based on a uh, homebrew tabletop setting. And it's got its own distinct style. It's really neat. Uh, I really look forward to how it develops because uh, right now some of the stuff looks a little rough around the edges, but the art style is really, really quite neat with some very cool, unique-looking character designs. So go give that a look. And over to the rest of the feature department, we had a huge feature that we talked about a bit before on episode 189, if not mistaken, uh, of our show, and that was Pete Leavitt's Ogre Battle 64 challenges the notion of a person of lordly caliber. That is just, oh, it's, it is huge, beastly look at the theme of rebellion and how well that has been captured through Ogre Battle, but Ogre Battle 64 in particular, and definitely a lot of what he's had to say draws on so much of history. Uh, like Pete is very well informed on the subject. It's, this is just a very well thought out piece. I definitely recommend it to anyone. It is very pertinent given today's social political climate. So go have a read of this uh, epic feature. If you're looking for a lighter feature, though, we do have great games to play while you're still at home because some of us, uh, well, a lot of different countries like Canada have started opening up things to uh, return to work and regular life in some ways while still maintaining social distancing practices. Uh, You know, a lot of us also still are stuck at home. So uh, if you're looking for some great games, uh, a bunch of our staff, helmed by Zach Wilkerson, got together to contribute a great list of just things you haven't got to or things you should get to or stuff that has just come out and uh yeah there's uh, a lot of great games to get lost in uh beyond just for myself animal crossing for example uh i've been getting back to horizon zero dawn that is a very exciting world to get back to so that's what i've been doing so reviews we've got uh yeah a nice a nice collection of them uh i for 
myself am uh, not sweating so much because there's been so much news from all the great uh, gaming expos that have sprung up online that uh, we haven't really been uh, getting as much reviews uh, on Focus just yet because there's just been so much news to cover. Oh my gosh. That being said, Alana Hags has reviewed Heroes Must Die again. Uh, not to say that she has reviewed the game again. The title is Heroes Must Die again. Whatever, it's a whole thing. But overall, eh, it's an okay lukewarm game. I mean, she says it looks like it could have been more than what its parts kind of added up to, unfortunately. Uh, so here's hoping maybe the IP takes off and they'll get another crack at it. But uh, at the moment, could have used a little more fleshing out of its uh, fun concepts. Uh, this next review comes from Audra Bowling, and I've... I know I've said this name before, and I'm probably going to butcher it. I probably did before, but anyways. Uto Rera Ramono did it. Prelude to the Fallen. Uh, sorry, I just hesitated resting on my lulls far too long. Anyways, uh, overall, uh, a pretty solid game from uh, Audra's perspective. It's got, you know, it's, it's flaws, but it's uh, a great place to start with this really neat kind of virtual novel strategy RPG a hybrid game and uh, there's a lot more to follow in this series so go check out a review and see if this is one series for you to dive into. Hey remember when we talked about Bug Fables on the last episode? Well uh, if you don't remember uh, Alana Heggs reviewed it and Bug Fables The Everlasting Sapling was an editor's choice for her as well because it is a rad game with a bit of a uh, Paper Mario aesthetic great RPG mechanics, fun little world, so if you just want a really neat little uh, insectopia to dive on into with a little change in your RPG gameplay, uh, this is the game for you. On this episode specifically, we brought on Neil Chandran, who reviewed Maneater for us, that really bizarre looking um, RPG that some of you may remember that was teased with the, uh, the, the spin that you were playing as a shark, so you got this rad open water RPG as a shark that new reviewed for us and uh, it's not without its issues it's got a bit of a repetitive issue to it but otherwise it's overall a really fun game that he had a good time with so um, yeah give it a check out and uh, maybe they'll uh, have some more adventures for the shark or I'm hoping whoever may has the rights to EVO will be inspired to make EVO but like this because that'd be amazing what's also amazing is the fact that Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is hot as heck uh, it has once again gotten RPG fans editor's choice from us. Zach Wilkerson gave it a review and had much to say about uh, this overall remaster uh, that is, yeah, it is the definitive edition of this game. Uh, it comes with Future Connected, which is middling at best, but still more of what you like. So uh, if you were a fan of Xenoblade or have heard about it but didn't have a Wii or want to get to it, now's the time to do it. This version is awesome. We also have a video review up on our YouTube channel that I'm pretty pleased to uh, present as well. So if you want to see more from this game, check out our video review and give a read of what Zach had to say. In uh, almost a surprise to no one, uh, Persona 4 Golden dropped on Steam uh, about time. So uh, you can check that out on PC. And at the moment, we have a review in progress from Bob Richardson up on the site. He's into the game for us already. So he is plugging away at it. We'll have a full review once he's done. But for now, if you want to see uh, his initial early impressions, go check out that review in progress. And lastly, we have another fun review from Bob Richardson. So before he dove into Persona 4 Golden, he was playing Monster Train, which is a really neat kind of tactical deck builder RPG, very much like Slay the Spire. Uh, could definitely use a little bit more uh, to diversify it from that game, but otherwise, you know, overall, he was pretty pleased with it. So um, if you like your old deck builder combat, this is uh, another one in that uh, entry. And our final entry in today's news is uh, from the music department. 
The Octopath Traveler Break, Boost, and Beyond live concert uh, was apparently fantastic based on the arrangements of Break and Boost and Break, Boost, Extend albums. And um, we got the Blu-ray of it for Patrick. He was reviewing that for us. So we not only got a great review of that whole DVD package, but you can also check out some clips from it and a whole video review with some of the music, because it's amazing, that we did up on our YouTube channel as well. So if you want to check out samples of it, if you want to check out the whole review with the visuals of the concert and everything, go check out our YouTube channel and give Patrick's review a read and listen to some sweet music. Anyways, everybody, thank you so much for listening to these bits and bites, and uh, have a good time listening to episode 191 of Random Encounter. Hey everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone on the podcast, because now there's more people on the podcast than listeners. I'm kidding, there's lots of you out there. You listen to us, don't you? Please do. Email me. Call me. Uh, message Call me on him. Discord. I don't know. Prove your existence to <laughs> hey, me. Hey, I like that podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, we sounded ha- good, Greg. Oh. <laughs> we'll have an RPG fan telethon. <laughs> so the sass begins already with uh, one of our guests. Uh, as usual, though, to help me... Um, corral this um uh, podcast full of cats that is inevitably about to begin i have john o'logan my intrepid co-host always a pleasure i will endeavor to be the best uh, sheepdog i can possibly be i'll take it uh and uh hopefully we'll get through this together because assassin it up there is steph sabidlo welcome back Whoop! there it is that's all <laughs> i got there she is everybody <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I was trying She's too hard, man. I never know what to say. <laughs> uh, we also have rejoining us on the podcast, Neil Chandran. How's everyone doing? I'm swell. Thanks for asking. <laughs> or are you asking them? If you're asking them, we won't find out until the episode airs. Doing good, thanks. And we have, uh, I think it's, I don't know. We have Patrick Ginn. Patrick, is it your first time on Random? Yes. Patrick Ginn. He's on random for the first time. There we go. Yeah, I've been on the I've been on the other one, the retro one. Brand new and territory. It's a pretty good one. First time on the random one. It's okay. We'll take you uh, away from your many, many, many music reviews. Uh, if you've read a music review on uh, RPG Fan, it was probably done by Patrick Gann. Yes, that's statistically true. Bravo. <laughs> exactly. And we also have. Uh, Again, new to me. I don't know if he's been on before, but I don't think so. But we have John Tucker. The Tucker is here. Highly hope podcast arenos. Yeah, if I was on the podcast <laughs> before, it probably had two digits in the episode number. So I feel like I did listen while. to you once. Yeah. Ooh, you would be times. the friendly neighborhood RPG fan guy. Like, you know, the, the whole Ned Flanders thing was actually pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got a cozy image that way. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the friendly neighbor, I, I yeah. I was on. It was on the uh, the retro episode where we uh, where we talked about uh, the greatest RPG ever, Tetris. Oh. Uh, for an April Fool's, one of my one of my favorite things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. 
Although it's really funny because I came back when uh, Pong Quest came out. Max made that yeah. joke. I love like some being like a Tetris quest or whatever, which led me to make a very fun box art of a little Tetris block wielding a sword with a helmet. It was nice. probably my favorite random piece of animated clip art I've ever made. It was great. And you know what? With Pong Quest, there's hope. <laughs> okay. It's funny. I didn't feel any hope when I saw that announcement. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Give us your wacky ideas. What do you think can be RPGified? Uh, I'll take foosball, the RPG. Ah. One of the questions I always like to ask is, what is everybody's favorite Tetris piece? I, I have to go with the straight piece because it's just so satisfying to get a Tetris. It is the straight white male of Tetris pieces. <laughs> I've always liked wow. the square. I always Way feel like it's bad. Yeah, now, now it can't be your favorite. I win. <laughs> no. Oh, dear. I'm a tea fan because I like doing tea spins. The tea, yeah. I like the yeah. I like the square because I'm a nerd. Yeah, I like I like so we got the, two squares. I like the little I like the little <laughs> offset pieces because they look like the P style pickups in bass. And I'm a bass geek. What can I say? I love to play bass. Oh, this like the fact. S thingy? Or yeah. Whatever? Yeah, that thing is really good. That one's gotten me out of so many jams. I prefer the uh, left facing L over right-facing L, but the L shapes are pretty fun because they feel really satisfying <laughs> when you can get just the right height and find the right spot for them. They oh, get a little yeah. three. Not quite a full Tetris, but you know what I mean? It's fun. Mm-hmm. See, my Tetris question always brings people together. <laughs> right? I thought it was going to be like, did you like the original Tetris or Tetris Effect or Tetris 99? You know, I've not had a chance to play Effect yet, but the music I've sounds lovely. I've heard it's lovely. great. Yeah. I hear it's great. I'm, it's I'm addicted to 99. Yeah. Do you remember when they used to have, like, Nintendo 64 stalls set up at McDonald's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was Tetris on there? I remember playing there? Tetris there. Yeah, I played it there for, like, three hours one day. Was that, like, the one, I think it was, like, the first 3D one, wasn't it? <laughs> Tetrisphere. Yeah, I think Tetrisphere so. had this thing. Tetrisphere, yeah. Tetrisphere's Tetrisphere. puzzle mode was the hardest thing in the universe. It would give you a certain <laughs> number of moves to clear all the pieces, and it was, oh, my gosh, so hard. Yes. I have a series of magnet of magnet Tetris pieces that is on my fridge, and then every morning I uh, drop another piece onto the fridge. It's a fun <laughs> little nice. It's and a fun little way to start the morning. Tetris and they all vanished. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that being said, um, we've got you know more than Tetris to talk about. Fooled you. This is another April Fool's joke. We're going to keep going <laughs> on to Pong now. No. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, we've had too. <laughs> Peggle too. The oh, repeggling. which reminds me, we are all kind of missing E3 right now, so this is that week. <laughs> yep. And in lieu of E3, uh, to get our help us get our Joneses, um, we've got uh, Diet E3 Light, or do you want to call it like Crystal E3? Sugar-free E3. <laughs> Sugar-free E3. Because we're not doing it again. We're not going back. It's getting discontinued after this year. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No. Uh, but uh, we've got the, the Igan... Well, that's what I'm calling it. Sticking to it. Igan uh, Summer of Gaming. And, uh, and then we had that big PS5 reveal event that happened in that. So we can't really not talk about that because uh, that's, that's some pretty looking stuff coming out. That is really pretty looking stuff. Right? I still don't know if it's uh, like screenshots that we're looking at or not. If they're at all uh, dummied or whatever, bullshotted or whatever. I mean... You know that they had like the legitimate text so on the good. videos that says this is all in-game engine, yeah. so we gotta trust that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks so good though. Like they've been releasing 4K shots that are absolutely surreal to look mm-hmm. at. 
What do you think of the console yeah. itself that looks kind of like an air purifier? I like the digital version, the, the symmetry. I like it, too. I like it, it too. makes I'm me bite my digital. lip. Yes. I'm also hoping it's slightly cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, what's, it, what's the price at right Because it's got less parts We don't in know. It. Yeah, we don't know yeah, what the price is yet. yet. We don't know when it's coming out. I think that's partially because of COVID. I think that everybody right now is kind of hedging their bets when it comes to release dates. And that's not a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, I guess too. Like they don't know how much people want to be spending if they're if we have a lot of unemployed people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. But so, we got a lot like, of twenty twenty is willing to take a loss. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's presumably coming out before the end of the year, but. Uh. Which one? The um, all of it. We're hearing rumors of the base price of games will will be going up uh, a little bit, but. In- well, games the Canadian of- part of this podcast is used to that. <laughs> That's Ooh, true. Expensive games. Ooh, no. Yeah. 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 Games are not Australia. Australia. You know. <laughs> and, a, and Brazil, and I think, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, Brazil has a bad too. I don't know. I've only heard from Australians who are just like, yeah, I paid like yeah, $60 for this game. Yeah, parts are getting just beaten down yeah. bad. Yeah. But let's not forget, when I mean, was like the Australian 31st. dollar versus the U.S. dollar is wildly different. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I'll tell you where I'd rather live right now. <laughs> Actually, New Zealand would be nice. I like to be in Fiji. Yeah. <laughs> You're just gonna go join Farnsworth on the moon? I'm leaving this planet. <laughs> I don't want to live on this planet on the anymore. Moon. It's something I've said a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Futurama, oh. the RPG. I play it. Oh, don't even joke. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, it'd be a fun idea. It would be. No, yeah. I'm totally into it. I mean, if South Park could do that. it. <laughs> yep. And well. <laughs> they did yeah, such exactly. a good job at it. But uh, yeah, we had uh, we had a lot of beautiful looking games released. Um, some of them are very obvious, are going to fall on our coverage. Some are really like kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm holding out hope that Stray will fall on our coverage. But, it looks um, so cool. plays a cat. Probably I don't see why not. Game. You gained but... a level, extra licking capacity. <laughs> extra rough you know so you can lick away your enemies <laughs> i just want to like uh, just keep prompting steph for random thoughts for the rest of the episode and just see yeah. what we get sharper claws <laughs> oh. yeah. i was gonna say something i'm gonna leave that oh, alone though great. <laughs> yeah. furball it scares the- enemies into and defense down <laughs> the first i mean that being oh, said i have played a cat rpg because there's a system called yeah. fate and they had, uh, I think actually, aren't, John, weren't you playing it at some point? Played Cat Quest. Maybe. Um, uh, well, there's Cat Quest, but no, there was a tabletop version of fit, like the Fable uh, gaming oh, system. No, and I haven't actually had played one it. setting was where you're all cat witches, basically, like you're cat wizards. Um, and it kind of tries to explain <laughs> the weird behaviors of cats. But the whole reason that cats do their weird crap is because they're trying to protect their humans from evil spirits. So, like, you, that... you kill a mouse and you leave it. It's an offering to the spirits to defend the house, for example. That's so cute. When they chase stuff for no reason, it's because they're chasing off spirits. And it was all in that RPG mechanic, and there's a couple different classes for the cats. And, yeah, it was ridiculous and awesome, and I want to play more of it. Yes. I prefer that to the movie Cats, where they, you know, over-explain yes. things about cats in a personal way. And, you know. Jellicle cats can, cat, and Jellicles you know. do, you know. Yeah. For, uh, like, 20 minutes nonstop. 
<laughs> I don't even know I, if I can write that as a joke, but I really want to. I do want to see it out of curiosity, but I prefer, I have actually the original like staged version that they did that from like the, from London, and um, I got that version on VHS back when, and it's still great. So I'll stick to that. Yeah. And I'm fine. The original show is perfectly fine. It's a perfectly yeah. fine piece of theater. It's spectacle, and that's it's yeah. good times. But spectacle is uh, what that PS5 event was. Segwayed in your faces all. Uh, let's talk Cats about games. the RPG one day, maybe. Exactly. What? <laughs> it's, and it's all musical. Enjoy it. Um, but yeah, what? Um, the goal what, is to become the Jellicle. <laughs> what? Uh, what's everyone's favorites? Uh, I guess stuff that you think would fall on our coverage. What was your favorites and stuff? Uh, what was your favorite hit outside of the coverage? Uh, we'll go with. Uh, we'll go reverse order of announcements. John, what did you like from PS5 event? I, I loved Horizon Zero Dawn, the first one. Uh, the the DLC was awesome. Like, everything about it was awesome. Uh, yeah. So I was really excited to see the second one. That shot of her like riding past the Golden Gate Bridge was super cool. Um, I'm yeah. all in on that. Um, also, like, like it would unanimous. be it, it would be great if uh, the Miles Morales Spider Man game fell in our coverage. It probably won't, but it would be great. It's a great system, though, but no. Yeah, if they could, like, try and take it more of an Assassin's creed route and there's some RPG elements in there, we can make a case. Yeah, because he is more of a, like, as a character in the comics, he is more stealth-based. They kind of showed it off where, he, you know, he can yeah. sort of go invisible or, and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. That's pretty dope. I don't know much about Miles Morales uh, from comic book world side of things, but I'm excited to see him get represented because... Uh, People have been crying out for him to be represented on screen in some fashion, so here we are. Spider-Verse is literally my favorite of the Spider-Man movies. I need to see it so bad, and I've heard it so bad. Oh, you do. Oh, how have you you not? You're awful. (laughs) That'd be a good movie to watch with Gwen, actually. It's pretty family-friendly. Well, that's part of the problem, because she watches a lot of movies with her dad, and so by the time we get over, we're like, let's watch this thing. She's like, I've already seen it. We're like, of course you have. Of course. All right, cool. (laughs) We'll just go back to being busy parents. Don't watch movies. Um, and so I haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch it, but I'm sure she'd watch it again by now anyway, so we can do it again. Uh, I'm excited for it. But moving away from that, uh, who's next? Uh, Patrick Ann, what, uh, what did you like? So, for completely selfish reasons, Demon's Souls. I bought that game day yes. one on PS3. <laughs> I never played it. Uh-huh. The servers shut down forever ago. I know you can play without without the online servers, but... Uh, it's just one of those games What's the fun sitting that? on my backlog, and I was just like, man, this is never going to happen. And then they're like, guess what? It's back, y'all. And I was like, ah! <laughs> so that was probably the biggest one for me, because I was like... I wish they introduced it. It's back, y'all. <laughs> they should really hire me. Kind of like that Godfall trailer? What, sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> if they had done it like man. the Godfall trailer, where it was like very anachronistic yeah. music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get some dark souls yes, you want demons also dark souls are alive your dark souls is mine <laughs> so it, now this is, is a, it's a from the ground up remake or is it just um, uh, like in the vein of like uh, like any other remaster or are they actually like redoing the whole engine from the ground up like for example Trials of Mana I think up, it's I think. from the looking at it it looks like it's from the ground up which I'm fine with I think that's the right choice. Nice. See, I don't know enough yeah. about the original that I couldn't tell what was just like a, a one-for-one shot or something, or if it's actually like a wholly remade world and engine in the Demon Souls mythos in this fall. No, I think it's story. been 100% remade. Like, uh, cool. screenshot comparisons are incredibly yeah. different, but they've been trying, they've been emulating it as I much think as the, they can. I think, Neat. like, the formula, like, like the 
the game itself has fairly linear steps, just like the, well, more so than yeah. Dark Souls, actually. And, um, like, it's stage-based, and I think they're holding to that. They might add some stuff, of course, but I'm I'm pretty excited about well, it. Well, and they have um, Blue Points on there who did the remaster for uh, Shadow Colossus. Right. So I'm wondering now, with some of those bigger enemies, I'm like, mm. will you get to climb them to kill them? That would be fun. Especially if cool cinematic <laughs> like, music happens. Attack on Titan boss? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks pretty rad. Um, and then, uh, what's your favorite non-RPG-ish game? Or is it you're just like, whatever, Demon Souls, too bad, everything else can die in a fire? Um, I I secretly hope that Resident Evil 8 is good. Um, I have I have oh, a love or yes. hate relationship with, with every entry in that series. It's like, some games I'm like, yes! And other games <laughs> I'm like, I never want to see you again. So I hope 8's one of the yes games. We'll see what happens. Time will I need only tell. to know tell. why Chris Redfield is betraying everybody. What a why, jerk. Chris? Why? Get fed up. The setting looks zombies. really cool, too. Like, they showed a... Yeah. Yeah, it looks... Oh God, I'm terrified of Resident Evil 7 slightly. <laughs> the last one I played was 4, and yeah, it was still terrifying with just randomly getting mobbed here and there, and it was like, oh my gosh. Well, you, you played the best seven one, on. so that's what matters. You For co-op gaming, PS. you really can't find much better than uh, five and uh, Resident Evil 5 and 6, though. They're so much fun. Oh, and the Revelations. So if you guys are looking for excellent co-op gaming, like Resident Evil's been do- like delivering some really good titles as far as that. You can get 7 on PSVR, and that's got to be just the worst. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean that in a good way. In a way. good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds terrifyingly amazing. I want get my wife to do that and she would just lose her mind it'd be great the fun is to witness but terrible at the same time uh i am incorrigible moving along neil shandran what did you like um i'm looking forward to um 13 sentinels i mean that game has been like in the wings for a long time and i'm looking forward to seeing it because i like vanillaware games i think they look amazing. Um, I loved the uh, Odin Sphere remake. It like completely fixed all the problems of the original. And uh, yeah, hey, it's they're a good mix of style and substance. <laughs> like you know, they have they have it in both. You know, and they've always done really good things graphically and gameplay wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look gorgeous. If anything else, they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, and the music provided by Bass Escape, you know, is just always really, really great to buckle down and listen to. Uh, just generally, they've delivered nothing but great games. Uh, Dragon's Crown, if we're still talking about co-op games, is another just, you know, unforgettable co-op experience. I recommend to everybody. So I can't wait for this. It's been really praised by a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, import reviews as well. So, uh, you know, it was up for even a few games of the years when it came out. Yep. Uh, so I'm really excited for it, too. I mean, I'll never forget, though, that Penny Arcade comic about Dragon's Crown. Um, where they were oh, the, the suggesting that the one? men should be as endowed as the <laughs> oh that was that is like top five penny arcade that would be a comics. frightening attack to be fair <laughs> yeah. it was very it, spot it, on it was pretty funny <laughs> and it's crazy that that game is such a meme yet it's also a really good game uh what yeah. dragon's crown it's yeah. brutal it's wonderfully brutal yeah and you get to fight the Monty Python rabbit. I mean, <laughs> you know, as far as like even uh, fantasy references, it's actually even got a whole bunch of those for everybody. Uh, like Conan the Barbarian, I think, is one of the references it does as well. 
Like, it's such a cool game. Villaware, again, like, they just really have their their grip on, like, whatever they're imitating. They do such a good job. Yeah, please do. Any Vanillaware game is great. Yep. Uh, I believe that brings us to you, Steph. I kind of just talked with everybody, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so hyped for Resident (laughs) Evil. I'm so hyped for Zero Dawn Event Horizon. God, whatever it's called. I was Forbidden that West. Unexplored um, West or whatever it is. Forbidden West. Solar Ash I can't wait for. If you haven't played uh, Hyper Light Drifter, it is a brutally difficult action uh, game. And Solar Ash looks absolutely incredible follow-up follow to it. It makes me think of that game that um, Derek helped out on localizing back when. And I'm forgetting. There's one. There's two of them. And like oh. the, gravi- the Gravity game that was on PS. It's earlier. earlier PS4. Gravity Rush slash Gravity Rush. Days. That's yeah. That sounds yeah. right. Um, I didn't. It gave me some of those he vibes. The I didn't know that Derek. He worked on the second one. I feel like one. he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he worked on the second one. I've oh. only played the first one. That game he didn't is so. Tell stylized. me that we were playing the trailer together. Eighty three. So he kept his secrets. <laughs> <laughs> damn his NDA. <laughs> oh, but that's Seriously, awesome. damn all their NDAs. It pisses me off when I can't know if yeah. they're working. On. So Persona Four, everybody. That's always fun. <laughs> Coming to Steam, y'all. Yeah, because that was announced yeah, at IGN, finally. wasn't it? Yeah. In before P- what about the PS4 and the Switch? Because that's going to happen. Yeah. Funny story about Persona 4. Uh, the news dropped when we were recording last week with Lana and uh, just in the middle of it. And the three of us were just freaking the heck out. And we were like, oh, we can't put any of this in the actual podcast. Did you save the audio at least? I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> That'll be a bonus feature. <laughs> For our Patreon one day, I'm guessing, yeah. I still have Yael, the original of it. Oh, cool. <laughs> I kind of do want to hear that. But no, that was really cool news. I'm glad they're finally doing that. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guaranteed it will come to consoles at some point. It's just it's interesting that it is going to Switch first. Or not Switch, sorry, Steam, PC yeah. first. And uh, you know what? I, I, I just hope it sets the precedent for all of them. Yeah, I'd l- yeah. There's definitely other. Um, we need the PS2 games. Yeah, a lot, and a lot of other Atlas games that hey, it would be nice to have them on PC. Yeah, so I'm hoping this really opens the floodgates for them. They chose a good one to start off on. Because uh, yeah, Atlas's PS2 lineup was ridiculously good. Mm. Yeah, and with so many, and with um. And with Steam being like a hotbed, especially for indie JRPGs, hey, why not have mm-hmm. some more of the classics available to a wider <laughs> audience? Maybe one day Nintendo will figure something mm-hmm. out about that, but it won't be in our yeah. lifetime. <laughs> but, and yeah, they're slowly getting there. I mean, we'll we'll eventually get you know that update for the uh, Nintendo Online and. It'll be when we're in our 80s, and it'll be great. Celebrating Nintendo's 200th birthday or something like that. I know they're crazy old. Uh, yeah, by finally putting our games on PC for everyone to play. <laughs> and the first game <sighs> is a re- recreation okay. of their Hanafuda cards. It's just a collecting Ooh, game. Oh, that'd be is. cute, actually. <laughs> that would, that would actually be trying. endearing as heck. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, the only games I they released for that. PC or for PC were like Game and Watch. 
<laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> Just troll everybody. <laughs> but like HD, like 4K remasters, like completely redo them all. But that's yeah, the but same with no high definition, pixel. but with no new animation at all. It just uses the exact. Yeah, like, give us the smash icon at least. It's like no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even better. Oh, if they do that, I'll have to, we'll have to bring back that old boxy video where she's like, "Use trolling." Oh my god. Okay, Neil, put yourself on snooze button for a bit. <laughs> Are you talking about the boxy that meme from like the? Yes, from yeah, from the late two thousands, early twenty tens. I'm boxy. Oh my god. Oh. And and oh yeah, and earlier. You can't see my face right now, oh, but it is. And earlier this frightened. Year, and earlier this year, um. Katie Wayne, who's Boxy, actually lent her voice, likeness, and uh, uh-huh. some creative input to an RPG called Boxy Quest. <gasps> oh, my it- God. oh, right. And that's right. We are getting some coverage on that soon, too, from you, aren't we? <laughs> yes. So the reality is this is not off topic. <laughs> uh-huh. right. But I'm we still got you intrigued. All fooled. <laughs> but, um... Jono, we haven't heard you weigh in yet. Uh, me, actually, I mean, this might be a slightly, no one's mentioned it yet, and I think it kind of got overshadowed. Kind uh, of Bridge of Spirits looks really cool to me. It looks like Zelda <laughs> by way of Pikmin, which I think is a neat idea. Yeah, it looked pretty. I was going to bring it up that, yeah, it could be. Finally getting our female link. <laughs> but honestly, I think, that, <laughs> yeah. I think that the game everyone's talking about is Bug Snacks. I don't even know what to think about it. Like Octodad <laughs> is such Jen's a bizarre neck, experience. Maybe. I, like, I'm not even kidding. In I my would mind, love to eat my words. And then turn into them? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll have um, Steph Sabilla walking around as a great big W2EF. <laughs> um, but I think, what I've always wanted to be. <laughs> I think the games that really the games that really have my attention, which unfortunately do not look like RPGs or adventure games, but are uh, the two, uh, two uh, Groundhog Day-esque games, Deathloop and Returnal. Yeah, there's a few of um, those. great. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they I both love, look great. I love Dishonored, so that you know the studio is developing a game with similar mechanics, except it's going to be more, uh, I guess, open ended. I think the I don't know if you guys know the coolest thing is that it's not an online game, but if you put the settings, anyone can jump into your game as any at any time as the other assassin. Dope, That's sick. <laughs> yeah, and and like track you down. So you have a choice between you can let someone into your game, you can use the AI. Or if you want like a 50-50, you can use AI half the time and real human the other half of the time. I think that's, that's just a, a really twist. cool mechanic. Yeah, that's, that's such awesome. a, a more interesting way of like doing like kind of what the Dark Souls thing was too, of having a nemesis kind of join in your game. That's really fun. Yeah, and Returnal just looks I, I still neat. like, yeah. Reminds me I, a lot of the I still geek out when Mario Kart would turn, your, turn you into a bomb when you died in the Battle Royale mode and you'd get to go around as a little bomb. Right? Like that was just the greatest thing to me. <laughs> you probably just tried to get um, killed fastest so you could go around and troll people like that, couldn't you? Once or twice, yeah. Like, if you got two unlucky hits, you're like, well, might as well just throw on the bone and just, you know, go around and bomb. Ruin <laughs> everyone's bomb. day. Oh, and Square Enix revealed their Project Athia. Forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah that, uh, and we don't know much about it. Yeah, that that was a thing. Uh, it looks stunning, though. It looked pretty. It does look <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty. <laughs> you know, I th- the big running joke is hopefully we don't have to wait, like, nine years for it. Mm. Uh, but like it did look really really pretty here's a question for you guys I have to admit during a lot of the presentation I was 
slightly underwhelmed by the visuals. Uh, which games do you actually think really showed off the, the visuals of the PS5? Oh, specifically the PS5. I mean, I think Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. was uh, going running on yeah. all cylinders. That's what I was going to say. Uh, Stray really looks like it, even the... though it's stylized. Yeah, I, like I know this is like not the popular opinion. A lot of people say it looks awkward, but I really like the cartoon effect they achieve for Goodbye Volcano High. I think it I looks just think neat. it looks really interesting. Mm. I think and, that... like, it looks a bit like a lower budget effort, but I mean, I still think it's a really cool idea. And just the way they kind of I don't know, it's a friendly cartoon aesthetic for a high school thing looks really cool. Yeah, I think it was it was weird put in sandwiched between these games. <laughs> and I think that's why people were like, what's this? But it looks neat. Yeah, I mean, we'll review it. It's a it's a visual novel, mm-hmm. so when it comes out, we're we're gonna yeah. have some coverage on and, it. And and yeah. late and lately, visual novels starring non human characters have become like pretty popular. <laughs> yeah, there's a crowd for it, that's for sure. And yeah, you're right. Like it looks really neat, and they all look so defeated because it looks like it's setting up that like the end of the world is coming, like the extinction of dinosaurs, yeah. and they're aware. <laughs> Seems dramatic as heck. Uh, well, I mean, even Ember Labs' oh. uh, offering from Kino Bridge of Spirits, it looked pretty nice as well. Mm. I didn't find that too underwhelming. I thought the there game... was the, um, like, Capcom's Death Stranding, uh, uh, Pragmata. Which looks yeah, I was going to say, like, where was Kojima's neat, name yeah. on that one? I yeah. really <laughs> like the look of Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart. I thought it looked, yeah. I thought it looked beautiful. Also, it Oh, we- the dimension hopping was stunning. It weirdly mm. reminded me of Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really did. And and I think from day one, the Ratchet and Clank games have always looked amazing. Like that's true. Whatever they've been on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I hope they call the girl Ratchet Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy it. <laughs> I, I would have said Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice too. Let's meet in the middle. Racket. <laughs> Racket. <laughs> that's actually cute. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but, no, like yeah. everything I thought it was a really stellar like overall performance. They look like they hit like a lot of uh, you know, both niches and genres, and I think there was something a little bit of something for everybody. So even if mm. we didn't like bug bug snacks, I think that was there for the kids, you know? I, yeah, I didn't say anything about not liking bug snacks. I think it looks crazy. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know, just in case. I'm curious what <laughs> that mechanic is gonna feed on the internet into. anymore. The itself whole, like, theoretically. into the food. I don't even know what's gonna happen there. Yeah. <laughs> The only other one I want to talk yes. about that was my like off-brand for RPG stuff was um, Jet. That looks oh, I missed that one. Really pretty, the sword and sorcery team ones. Sword and oh, sorcery, yeah. yeah. It was such a good game back in the day. It looks really yeah, and like they've always had such a great sense of style that they execute in their games. Uh, and I uh, yeah, it, that one looks really intriguing. I'm curious. I had a really poorly timed bathroom break, but I caught the end of that and it looked really cool. Oh, and there was a Hitman game, and uh, like, why are, there's like Oddworld, and I don't know. I think no one's excited about that, even though. I mean, I never one. played it, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just think but it's let's hysteri- just do a podcast about Stray. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I was I thought it's hysterical. Sackboy: A Big Adventure looks like the biggest Mario 3D World ripoff I've ever seen. It did. Yeah. I feel bad though, because that whole like Little Big Planet studio does like nothing but great work. So, yeah, I mean, they've been super I, fun. It, it might be good. I've just looked at it and I was like, this literally just looks like someone was like, you know what would be good on the PS5? Mario 3D World. <laughs> yeah. Think we can convince Nintendo? they won't Nintendo? give us that. No? Okay. 
So let's kind of mix it with Yoshi's Woolly World and make it with Sackboy. Done. <laughs> That's basically what it is. They were inspired when they saw Woshi, Yoshi, Woshi's Woshi's Yuli World. <laughs> Woshi's Lowly World. Lowly World. Super funny. Woshi's Lowly World. <laughs> Well, thanks for weighing in on all that because that's uh, there's a there's a lot going on and yeah, there's not gonna be a, I don't know it's, it, we'll get more details as things go on about what we as a site will be able to cover and such, but at the moment, uh, yeah, we can only kind of speculate here what here and there is going to fall under our branch. A lot more games to come, and even outside of what we saw in all these online presentations, you know, a lot of the smaller developers are already gearing up like their upcoming titles for the fall like th- i yeah. mean it's it's going to be crazy i mean there's a lot of really interesting <laughs> stuff coming out it's like and we'll I all be out of quarantine and have no time to play it anymore <laughs> i know right or we'll be in another one <laughs> well unless we, yeah, unless we get that second spike we'll either be there's out like, of quarantine and have no I time know. to play or we'll be back in quarantine and nothing but time <laughs> well, at least we're prepped <laughs> Know what to like a lot of game time. companies were really nice about providing a sale like just uh in time for that too and like stay-at-home bundles i've they've been really great about it yeah it's like people are going to be there spending the money so you may as well give them the discount to encourage them to buy your product yeah you know, it's you're still going to make you money that they may not otherwise have spent if it wasn't on sale mm-hmm. okay. but that being said uh we did get uh some other stuff to talk about that wasn't in the uh all these l- announcements for reveals and such like that we've been playing games we do that sometimes when we have time i don't know where we find time uh speaking of which john tucker somehow found time to uh, explore outer worlds on the switch and uh as we all remember jana was quite a fan of outer worlds so it doesn't look like it's been making the best transition over to the switch but how's it playing all the same yeah i have to say um Speaking of, of time, I was a little embarrassed to realize that in the seven days I've had the game, I spent 62 hours on it. Um, so, you know, clearly it's still pretty fun to play, but oh love. boy, the, uh, the... Your 3D printer is looking at you forlornly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it is a little Make bit. Make my Kirby, my Kirby mouth thing. It's Yeah, sorry, Steph. One day. <laughs> um okay. Been busy printing masks and things, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, the so. I mean, the gameplay is the same. You know, you you're still running around shooting things and you know uh, collecting loot and tinkering and doing a zillion side quests uh, and things. But boy, it's 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 not attractive. Um, the graphics didn't make a very good transition. Uh, there are some things that still look just fine, you know, when you're go- when you're up close with, especially like buildings and, and things like that. They look fine, uh, but the enemies uh, clearly have you know lower text, lower uh, fidelity textures. Um, uh, even like the, as you walk around, even the very first area, I was like, this is really weird. Why are there like pools of oil on the ground everywhere i had to watch a video of somebody playing uh the outer worlds on like ps4 or something to see that it was intended to be like puddles of water it was supposed to look really nice but they they looked like um a little oily on the screen yeah like like oil or or <laughs> with with just a little bit of antifreeze mixed in um, they're not good given um, the world actually that wouldn't be out of character 
It wouldn't I was going to say, I wonder yeah. if someone suggested, like, so, why don't we put some flames around it? And they're like, no, 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 the system won't handle it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it in, like, the, the grass and things like that, like, in the, the areas where you're supposed to hide, uh, where that that's pretty obviously, you know, much lower texture. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> the enemies can see good. you now. There's less grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fortunately, it still works mechanically the same way. Um, I, I, I felt like... You know, you're talking about, you know, quarantine and having time to play games and things like that. You know, everybody's talked to death about how the timing, how great the timing was for an Animal Crossing to come out at the beginning of all this, for everybody to have time and and to be dying for a game like that. I feel like uh, Our Worlds on Switch is a little bit the opposite of the current um, climate of, you know, a lot of people talking about corporations and kind of the negative yeah. impact that they can have on things it's a, it was really kind of a depressing game to play often um because Ooh, really? yeah because is it, it is about it it is so much about you know negative effects of corporations and all these people scared to you know be able to you know say anything <laughs> that their corporation mm-hmm. would not approve of um you know, a lot of the times when you have a, you know, a, a persuasion check with people or you want to lie to people or whatever, it's basically like, you know, if if you don't let me do what I want, your boss will will find out um, a bad thing. I want to speak I, to your I, manager. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, the game. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, yeah, name, name your character Karen. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that wasn't, you know, but, you know, still, you know, it's it's clearly you know, it's 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 Fallout in space, um, and it which I you don't want to do. Games. By the way, I would advise don't fall. No, out in do space. not fall out in space. <laughs> stay stay in in space. Um, the you know, and I guess the other thing is it, there is a lot of like you know a lot of choices there where you're trying to make a, a, a morally gray decision. You know, do you? kill these people so these other people can live and you know things like that and um uh, the old I'm not... uh, runaway um trolley cart <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and and right now not looking for a lot of morally gray stuff in my life you know uh, so that was that was rough but still 62 hours in a week it didn't drive me away from the game apparently so <laughs> so you, what you're saying is you weren't chopping trees and catching bees in that time no, no, my uh, my Animal Crossing villagers. I did visit them one time uh, in the last week, and they were like, "Dude, we haven't seen you in a week. Where have you been? <laughs> you smell <Space>. of death." <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So uh, uh, a review is a review is pending, and uh, that'll be out in not too long. But I think you can tell where Maybe I where I landed. Uh, I don't know uh, what the schedule is looking like. We'll find out. I look yeah. forward to reading it because, I mean, I reviewed it a couple of months ago. I loved it. I found it very engrossing. And those were in the the days, where, I guess, where we had more hope. And I was like, ooh, morally great decisions. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just the, the stakes my life was lacking. Um, <laughs> One way to phrase it. <laughs> yeah. Here's a question I had for you. I like I, I watched some footage of the Switch version side by side with the PS4, and it did not look good. I remember not being. He said not, politely. Yeah, it's not the. It wasn't the prettiest looking game already. It looked okay. It just wasn't gorgeous. But I thought uh, the real thing about the game that was amazing were the 
uh, the design of the game, the uh, the logos, the graphics, the way the various corporations were uh, were uh, uh, built up. That's what I really thought was interesting and striking, or the like the, like the anatomy, world the world building, the anatomy of the various creatures. How well did that translate over? Some of it better than others. Uh, the uh, the signs, like the holographic signs and things that you see around the world, uh, some of them look really spotty and weird. And like on the the um, same on the vending machines. And I don't know. Uh, I didn't play it on on another console, so I don't know if those looked nice and crisp, like on the vending machines and things. They they definitely <laughs> didn't. Are no. um, yeah. The and uh, the enemies, you know, again like the. Um, primals come to mind the big like ape looking dudes um as you got up close to them um they looked a little bit almost like green screened in you know where they're very, like kind mm. of clearly separate from the things around them uh and other Someone things did like that lousy rotoscoping yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um but still like the design is still you know the design is still cool and the design is still there uh you know it's just the technical execution and, and you know i don't want to put any fault on the the team that ported it over to switch they had a heck of a of a task in front of them the fact that but they did it is incredible exactly exactly so it's not it's not to their it's not their fault that the hardware you know couldn't handle anything better than what they gave it i will say don't remember a moment of slowdown uh except for when I went into one of the big squares in uh, Byzantium, weirdly not even on the ground breaker, which is a big kind of open area you walk into with, you know, some stuff. But in Byzantium, I did run into a little bit of slowdown in a square that ended up actually looking horrible. I'm going to include a screenshot of that one in my review so people can mm. see um, kind of the worst <laughs> the worst example of, of what it looks like. But and that's um, nice of you to to say like yeah because i can't imagine it was easy porting it over to a separate console yeah. and also expecting it to have two different modes of running like did you you know, i'm assuming you also tried it on handheld like did you find a performance improvement between docked and handheld i i didn't um the one difference that i would uh, that i noticed um is that the joy cons just the the joystick experience with that is not the best not that it's not responsive or or anything like that um or I, I, I've never had any of the drift issues that I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, but the the shortness of the sticks and the you know sort of the smallness of them meant that I, I tended to overcorrect on things. Um, oh, interesting. But, yeah, but performance-wise, everything was fine. Uh, either, whichever way I played it, I did I did switch. Like when I was playing the final boss, I was like, no. He said I'm, the thing. I'm, I'm only playing this on the TV. <laughs> so. Um, and that's fair. Yeah. I'm just curious, like how, I mean, again, like it's no fault of the team, so to speak. They're, they're, they're working as hard as they can with it, but it just, it just seems when there's such an obvious disparity between the two games and presentations of them, like that mm -hmm. they could okay that yeah. in the end. Yeah. And, and they and being you'll... Nintendo or whoever. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it, what it reminded me of is um, I reviewed Borderlands 2, I think it was, or Borderlands, I think it was Borderlands Collection on the Vita. Um, and it's the same kind of thing where, you know, it's you know, more or less the same game, um, but, you know, it is, a, it is a different experience to play it in handheld 
than it is to play, you know, on a on lesser yeah. hardware than it is to play on a on a big screen on a nice piece of hardware. When I was looking at the screenshots, what it really reminded me of to a to a greater degree was have you guys ever seen the uh, unreleased uh Resident Evil port for Game Boy Color? <laughs> yeah, the screen I've seen that. The screen crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because it's recognizable as Resident Evil, but you're like, "Ooh, this is this is not this not should not be happening at all." And then it didn't. But it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. You're looking at it and you're just like, ah, "This console just can't handle it." Yeah, Ew. I. You know, one of the one of the things. <laughs> that you, did you go look? I did. It's hideous. <laughs> Googled it. It's um, well done, but I mean, it's hideous. <laughs> one of the thing that that I did, I'm thinking of now. Uh, there's a lot of uh, issues with uh, like pop in and with textures popping from you know oh, really low res nice. far away yeah. to you know looking good after, especially if you're like sprinting. Um, there were there was uh, one occasion where I was sprinting up to a place where I was supposed to meet somebody and uh, I had to like stop. I got to the point where the marker was on the map and I had just stop and like wait for a couple of seconds. And then they appeared just out of nowhere. Uh, and definitely times where I'd be running around uh, the overworld uh, and there would be some enemies that would just all of a sudden appear pretty close to me. But I mean, fortunately you can also just keep right on running and they won't catch up to you. So games that. cheating tax. That must be how like enemies feel when you're when their stealth player is playing and just someone like pops it beside them. And kills <laughs> yeah. Them. <laughs> yes, my life has horrible pop in. I do not know what's going on. <laughs> really got to get my uh, my upgrades in for my RAM on my life. <laughs> I wish I had more memory. <laughs> <laughs> I got a recommendation for you, Steph, but we'll we'll keep this PC. Um, but no, um, it's, it's the draw. No, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it makes me want to like go to some of these screenshots for this version of the game and like insert PS One Squall and just see if someone can like spot the difference. See if they can find them. <laughs> it's maybe not quite that bad. It sounds but, like a fun yeah. version of Where's Waldo. There he is. I found the most handsome guy in the square. <laughs> That's yeah. Where's Squall would be a good Where's Waldo replacement for like all thirty-two bit like polygon based games. at any rate uh thank you so much for sharing that though i'm i'm glad like again it's it's a clear statement that despite its looks and some of those issues the fact that you were able to just commit to it and enjoy the experience speaks highly of the gameplay and and the storytelling as a whole i guess yeah absolutely absolutely and and it was you know just as fun as you know, the Fallout games before it of, of running around and finding a million quests uh, and, you know, trying to accomplish them all and, yeah, getting all those companions. I mean, the companions Sounds are like pretty Fallout. easy to get, but still. Well, they're some of the most fun things, is what Jono was saying, too. Some of the companions bring a lot to the yeah, story. Yeah, Vardy is amazing. Yeah, and... and Great. I love their body. Their interactions uh, as you took them out in the world were were great as you talked, you know, with the with the different people. And, you know, I, I tried to bring different combinations of companions with me every time I left the ship just because, you know, they were all going to do fine, whatever. They're, they're mostly there to distract enemies. Um, but they would have, <laughs> we they'd have fun conversations with each other. That's cool. I like that. That's kind of, yeah, we talked about that too. It's some of the fun of things like, Dragon Age and such too, just seeing who's going to mingle with what in the past, and 
And there's some of that, I guess, in uh, the next game that we're going to talk about, too, um, which is, I guess, more of a be careful who you make up fun of in high school because uh, Xenoblade Chronicles got quite the glow up with the definitive <laughs> edition. Uh, it is it is really Rhine time now. That wavy You could hair. say we are really feeling it. Right? Uh, a lot of people wish they yeah. were really feeling Dunban. Man, people got super thirsty for Dunban with this. <laughs> the fact that he has a, like, uh, Attack bonuses for being topless is, I, I think, they're a way of uh, knowing that, <laughs> knowing how everyone feels. Actually, and that no, was always there in Japan, the Wii. Uh, oh, what's? Yeah, it was always there in the Wii. But was it Soraya Saga? Yeah, uh, she was surprised how many people like Naked Dunman. <laughs> and she's uh, what the one of the creators, or sorry, one of the writers for uh, Zeno Years, I think. Yeah, I thought she was in a relationship with Tetsuya Takahashi. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I yeah. think they're married, right? And they co-wrote Xenogears. Yeah, so she's been kind of helping out. Yeah, and she's been kind of helping out on the sides. She did a design or two for uh, Xenoblade 2 as well. So. <laughs> so it's actually been kind of fun keeping up with uh, some of the things That's that funny. she says. But for reals, though, like this game looks like it always should have. Really? So where have you been getting at? Really this is does. one of the few new games that you've had time to dive into, Steph. Yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah, I played the Wii version. I played the 3DS version, which you know made the Wii version look even worse. Uh, believe it's it or true. not, it was but it was still really pretty impressive, impressive for the 3DS. 3DS. Yeah, they did a good job for what it was worth. Yeah, uh, but definitely the way the Switch is and a lot of the quality of life issues that they've attended uh, to makes the Switch definitely, as the title says, the definitive edition. Yeah. Um, the, so yeah, reason. I've just been playing the heck out of that. Finally, it's a bit of a dream come true too. Yeah, it absolutely yeah, is. Like, you. A lot of people who are big Xenoblade fans, uh, you know, certainly it started off, you know, a lot of these games 10 years ago, and there's a lot of fans of it and still growing, and they, they plan to keep growing the series. But um, a lot of people have been fans of the game for a while, so to actually see them do sort of like a, you know, a soft remake of a lot of the assets is actually just a bit of a dream come true. <laughs> uh, and the redone music is it, always a nice touch. It's um, amazing just taking it yeah. on. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. got to Satoral Marsh they and everything. They just added some so... nice finer points. Yeah, I'm enjoying that. <laughs> oh. It's so beautiful. Satoral Marsh is such a joy to take in. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, as soon as I... I guess it, it's weird because that game is so long and I played mm-hmm. it so long ago that like I remember some key points of it. I mostly just remember running around Guar Plain a lot. Um, and uh, I remember a lot of Colony 9. And it basically speaks to how much side questing I did in each area and like how much I remembered it. But then I'd get to places like Satoral Marsh and then it would turn night and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember, oh my gosh. And then you get to the jungle and, and I can't wait to get to um, the mountains because I had one of my, it's got my favorite music. And, I can't uh, wait for all of it. Like I'm oh. such a sap for the game at this point. I'm j- Even the bad parts I like. Um, it's, did it's you great. play like Future Connected at so all? Or? Oh Yeah. <laughs> I did dabble a bit of it because, um, again, I was playing it for um, to get our coverage for our video review. Mm-hmm. And since I knew Zach was going to talk a bit about that, I cut, tried that out a bit too. And it's fun. It feels like a bit like light. Like it's yeah. – it was funny though. As I was playing it, it felt a lot like um, the guiding lands that they added to Monster Hunter World Iceborne, which is like a little floating island that has a little bit of all of the lands. Oh, cool. And this kind of – the Forbidden uh, – or sorry, Future Connected – it feels a bit like that, like because it has a bit of monsters from like each region mm-hmm. in it, 
and the landscape is like a little smattering of a few of them although i haven't seen like a satoral marsh area but there's some glowy trees at night and stuff too they gotta have the glowy so to... <laughs> yeah exactly it comes from by yeah. it's kind of glowy <laughs> so it's it's neat it's um it's fun it's a bit lighter i haven't got too far through it but it's just a bit more of what you like right so it's, yeah that's what it is it didn't have to be there to begin with and it's but they had the this one big chunk of assets so like the whole bionis shoulder was originally on the wii um but they they dumbed it out and you couldn't access it so the fact is that you know they put this whole chunk in and just to give one of its uh big characters just a little bit more limelight and for what it's worth i mean it's nothing special but at the same time i'm happy right? to spend more and time they also it. doubled down on uh nop on time of like oh you maybe didn't like Ricky too bad. Here's two more of him and they have one of them has to be in your party at all times. Ricky's at least one of the better of the ones than the other ones. <laughs> than the one in like Xenoblade 2 and X, so I don't mind. His kids are cool. In Xenoblade 2 was it uh were they still Napon or was it just a different comical race? No, it's the same Napon as well and they're just as, you know, kind of goofy. They're endearing though. Like I just got to the Napon village and I love how they are. <laughs> These ones are pretty tame compared to what happens in Xenoblade 2, so they're actually a bit more level-headed. They're pretty, they're, yeah, they're sweethearts. <laughs> they're endearing. I, like, I don't know. I think it's cool. The whole world-building of all that game has just been great. And well, I like how they're kind of silly, but they're very serious they merchants. You know, like they're very, yeah, serious merchants and farmers, and they got a big business going. And despite how cute they are and how fuzzy and wonderful they are, like... They've, like, well, traveled the furthest, which I didn't <laughs> quite clue into until this time around. Like, Homs are like, yeah, we haven't left our colonies, basically. And Nopon are everywhere. And they're like <laughs> the smallest things the walking by yep. these towering monsters. <laughs> Braver than you think. Ricky is the best. Yeah. He's uh, he's quite... I didn't play with him a lot last time, but I think I'm going to have him more in my party this time around. I've, I've tried to focus on mm-hmm. using different characters. And, yeah. Like, like I said, I'm a... I have, like, this game just at the back of my hand. Like, I know when to switch my parties to, like, max out their affinity and all that stuff. It's sad but i'm handy i've been helping out people on on sites and everything who need help that's not sad that's (laughs) that's a favor to the community you should feel good about that yeah you got to build those social links (laughs) thank you okay not social links (laughs) your social distance links tomato tomato (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like that I've truly been uh, talking to people again because of this you know i've been hitting up my instagram and talking how you been what you got playing? a big like corkboard on your wall with a bunch of threads tying these two together hate each other because they're roommates and one ate somebody's um, ramen. These two over here are family. <laughs> I'm gonna try to change their angry yeah, face exactly. to a happy You're face. To yes. Self quests for them. Be like, I got you new ramen though, and I gave it. It's from so and so. I swear. <laughs> and then change. Then you switch the face around. Yeah. Make your own affinity board. <laughs> I'm going to give you, like, meaty cabbages. Oh, and how much do you love that quality of life change where, like, those actually appear on the map as, like, you can can find them on the map now? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, it means I'm on the wiki, like, 100%. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where things spawn. (laughs) I don't know, percentages. Because for those of you who haven't played, Uh, it's got these, um, it's all good. For those of you who haven't played, there's, like, the little endemic kind of, like, life things in the Collectopedia which is one side thing you feel out like each different like there's nature fruits veg that you can find in the area they're just little glowing blue orbs and you pick it up and it tells you what it is and it's always a a random crapshoot what you might get but some quests and stuff will require you find those for the people as well and in the the original one 
they didn't really show up as quest items. So you were just basically running around trying to collect these blue orbs, waiting for them to respawn and hope you get the right things you need. Whereas now they actually get indicated with quest markers. If the thing you need is spawned. They do get indicated yeah. with quest markers, don't they? I thought it was just for enemies, but I think it's for yeah, items it, too. Yeah, it changed my life. Oh, I was okay. just like, oh my gosh, I actually do want to pursue these things now. <laughs> and I can tell if what I need is here instead of me wasting hours wandering around Guar Plains trying to find the right moth crawler that I need. Oh, God. The hours spent on ice cabbages. And it's not a staggering. bad thing. I mean, it's a great game to wander uh, around in. And now, like... As I was, I kind of said a bit earlier, like the textures on the on like the landscapes are like amazing to me. Like there's moments where I was standing on so Guar Plains and would look out over like the vistas, just into the areas that were like not playable, and it looks very photorealistic. It's mm-hmm. it's nuts. Like the the rock crenellations. And yeah, they actually the, found a really yeah. nice color palette for it. It's really beautiful. They, they did a great job. Absolutely recommended, though. Like, any Switch player, like, if you need an RPG to sit your butt with for, like, Do it. you know, at least about 100 hours, then Xenoblade Chronicles is absolutely everything you want it to be. I think we've, like, given it Editor's Choice Awards twice now for both versions. Oh, uh, did we do a 3DS one as well? I think, did Caitlin review that one? I don't know, but now I'm yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> but I can confirm yeah. at least two Editor's Choice Awards. I mean, Caitlin's given. bought all three, so that's a good thing, <laughs> and so have you, I guess, at this point. Botten. Who says Botten? Yes, has, has bot. Yeah. I'm making up words. <laughs> Shush. Botten. Botten. <laughs> Sit your bottom down with this Botten game. Um, Botten. It's drawing time. <laughs> I always... Oh, do you know what I like saying, especially for all the for all the glowy stuff in the games? I love going bioluminescence, you know, like, like a fancy professor. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad we got you on the podcast today. Uh, who's your favorite character aside from Ricky? <laughs> Uh, I'm a, I, I'm a big nerd for Shulk because I love that he's a nerd. I, I love them all though. Ryan's a goofball. So I think Melly is like the favorite. I, I, I honestly think Fiora kind of sucks. She just kind of takes the fun out of the room being like the childhood friend stereotype, but she's sweet yeah, too. Yeah, I, I kind of liked her, her growth. They're all but sweet. I mean, I've always been a big Charlotte fan because um, I like her tenacity. I mean, I she's definitely, yeah. was definitely felt a bit fan servicey initially. But her bond with her... She's got those booty shorts. Yeah, but yeah. her bond is great. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that she can uh, love somebody who's named Juju um, just speaks <laughs> such a, a million strange times. name. Her younger Juju. brother, Juju. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, they just... Oh, and nothing really beats Adam bond. Howden's yell as well. Like, it's yeah. still as good as ever. And Zach screaming quoted it in lungs. the review, so... <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that we should have put that as, like, the, the catch for it. Just... <laughs> you know, like, like a link <laughs> style. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah it's it's uh it's see a, how good it is we're so enthused yeah and the the acting is so much better now too with the more expressive faces and better character animations like all these yep. connections all the relationships and the voice acting is just elevated it's great it's a, it's a it's a very good game i 10 out of 10 it's an recommend. essential play i think yeah if you if you want just a good general rpg to get in on the on the genre See if you like yeah. Xenoblade. I think it's kind of uh, familiar for a lot of people too. They always say it's kind of like a slightly westernized Japanese RPG thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's got, it felt very much like um, like kind of like Final Fantasy XII did too, where they both kind of had a sort of MMORPG vibe elements. Yeah, and um, yeah, and like this game, it's arguably a bit dated in some of its gameplay stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, what do you expect it came back. But it's ten years old. It'll happen. But it, it's worth it, again. It's worth exploring. I think- it looks good. 
just to go into a bit of a tangent, so like, you know, it's great to see so many people picking up Xenoblade now, and some of them do see that it's dated, right? It's a 10-year-old game. So with all the hype with Persona 4 and all the people who are going to be getting into on it, you have like the old crowd who played Persona 4 and thought Persona 5 was just okay. But now I wonder if you're going to see like the opposite, where it's like people go from 5 to 4 and go like, it's old, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you get that bit of, um, as Rob Steinman would always say, the revisionist history. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly mm. it. I have such a hard That'll time be with that because it's like, t- t- in my mind, ten years isn't that old. But then we're talking about like, it's we're talking older, about isn't like, it? I mean, yeah, How but it's Persona I mean, four now. No, you're. I mean, it's uh, it's twelve years old, I think. Yeah. But yeah, and Xenoblade's so, like, my right, and and my but my point in the matter is like to me it doesn't feel old, but then it's like the medium we're talking about video games really like 35 40 years old tops for especially for <laughs> rpgs and it's just well, like it's so insane. 10 years into that is a pretty big chunk and i'm 30 well, what rpg so... fan was founded in 2000 which is like grandfather in internet years now <laughs> well yeah. maybe you just look at the jump from like, I, was, I was gonna say Mario 90, 90, 90, to the 90s because yeah. i was there yep. yes <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, I mean, Patrick can speak to this as well, but like, you know, my daughter turns 10 next month, so it makes you feel old. <laughs> so, Happy birthday to Gwen. Like, can I draw a little picture if she wants or if you want? We'll, we'll talk. Don't I remember worries. I was supposed to I do like you this. something for Christmas like three years ago and like I was just crazy busy at the time. So I kind of wanted to reach out to you and be like, yo, I'm free now. <laughs> <laughs> I will take you up on that offer, actually. That might be. Yay. Yes. We will talk. <laughs> We'll talk. Okay. Uh, if you want to do uh, commissions, you can email Steph Sabidlo at uh, Steph S <laughs> at RPGfan.com. I think. Is that yours? I don't know. Uh, or Sabidlo S. Know. I have no idea. I'll give you my Twitter at the end. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, at any rate, uh, Xenoblade, good game. Um, I would ask Please all play. of you on it, but there's a lot of us to talk. And we're, you will be my friend if you do. <laughs> yes. She will She will do. You should go check out Steph's uh, as Dice. SMS, Dice MS, Dice yeah. MS, MS, uh, on Instagram. She's got some really, some really hot um, Xenoblade fan art actually. I think up there as well. Ooh. You, you got some, some stunning art up there. See, uh, so- but yeah, this game is great. Uh, everyone here on the podcast today too. If you haven't played it, you know, get around to it. I don't know, Jono, you going to play this one? Uh, probably not, but I Aww. want to. Oh, d- believe me, it has nothing to do with the game. It just has to do with. Uh... <laughs> what I have, what I have in front of me right now. Do I Jenna, are you are you in Toronto hours? or was I wrong when I saw that? No, I'm in Toronto. Well, technically Vaughn, but Toronto. Yeah, yes. I can just like let you lend it to you. I will come back for it after a while or hound you if if you keep it too long. But I mean, I'd be happy to lend it to you. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty tempting, actually. Yeah, Yay! Right? we'll do a game trade. Yeah. <laughs> I know where he lives. In the podcast with me twice a week, I'll hound him for you. <laughs> Give Steph a game. We're gonna break your shins. <laughs> And honestly, well, that's, she that's come. I don't. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you finished yet? Have you finished? I need it back. I miss it. It's Rhyme time, and I can't play it. <laughs> now I'll give you something. I'll, I'll give you something good in return. Okay. <laughs> can't wait. But that being said, if you haven't played it yet, do play it. Um, we're gonna go on to now my favorite segment of the entire episode: Talkin Saga Frontier. No, Talkin <laughs> Saga Three with Jono. No, Talkin Saga Reuniverse. No, we're gonna talk about Saga things with Patrick Gann. That's what he's here for, because he's like, I don't care about any other RPGs, just Saga. It's Sagan. Sagafan.com. Sagan, Patrick Sagan. 
uh, is there we go. I'll take that from Steph. Thank you. Uh, so, Jono, <laughs> you get to sit Patrick here and listen Sagan. to Patrick. Sagan Frontier. Let's do I, it. I don't mind listening to Patrick. <laughs> I, like Carl no. Sagan, but Patrick Sagan. <laughs> yeah. or, or Peter Sagan, the famous uh, cyclist. Yes, <laughs> of course indeed. you know his famous cyclist. <laughs> that was such like a <laughs> Captain Holt reference right there. I loved it. Totally. <laughs> I have no problem at all talking with Patrick about Saga. We uh, we, so we were talking about it when I was playing Romancing Saga 3, Ooh. and uh, he was very, um, uh, very supportive during that time. I'm always there for you, sir. You're a good I, man. I appreciated it. It was a tough time. Was the stapler idea Patrick's idea? <laughs> no, that was that was born out of desperation. Actually, I used it after he told me about it. <laughs> That's incredible. Me, well, I beat the game eight times because uh, that's what you have to do to get the platinum trophy, which was awful. That was the worst part because there's really nothing new to do after like three playthroughs. But yes, anyway. I'll, I will never I play the game again. Most playthroughs ever. No, that's Chrono Trigger's um, got actually, a lot of life in its playthroughs. I did eight. I did eight playthroughs of Saga Scarlet Grace. Oh, it's a different protagonist every time, right? Um, well, yeah, same with Romancing Saga 3, but Romancing Saga 3's pr- protagonists don't have a lot of variation in story. Mm. Scarlet Grace, which only has four protagonists, because there's so much routing difference, right. I did eight playthroughs and still <laughs> didn't see everything I wanted to see. So that game's actually amazing, but we'll get that's to cool. that. Sorry for being cheeky earlier. Yeah, no, that's really impressive. <laughs> well, let me tell you, if I ever played the game again, I know where I would go. If I was looking for a resource to help me through the game again, I know the person to go to. <laughs> I think oh, at RPG guys. Fan, there is literally one person for everything like that. Like, like uh, you go to Peter if you need Kingdom Hearts help, you know? You go to Tyler for Zeno. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but have they have they written what? How long? How many words was this? Did you say? Oh, jeez, I don't know how many words it is. Uh, one of them. Or how many hours of time? Hours of time, I've put 2,000 hours into, if you go to playstationtrophies.org, I've written platinum trophy guides, and it'll what? get you your Steam achievements. Everything except, you know, Switch doesn't have persistent achievements, but whatever system you have, um, I wrote the how to get all of them guides for Romancing Saga 2, the you know, the port slash remake from 2017, and Romancing Saga 3, and Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions, and... That last one took me 1,200 on its own. That was the hardest. Wow. It took me five months. Oh, my gosh. I know someone I can uh, actually say, he wrote the book on X thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, well, what's sad is I've, I've collaborated with some people, and um, Saga Scarlet Grace has multiple endings for um, each of the four protagonists, and we still don't know how to unlock some of them, and because it didn't have to do with the trophies, I didn't dig into it, but, like, there's Japanese wikis and the game is like three years old in Japan and they still don't know how to do it all. Like the flags and like, it's so like arcane and esoteric. It's really insane. Well, that's actually interesting. So there's going to be some fun discoveries as this goes on. I I feel like uh, the Sega games are made by like a way more hardcore development studio, (laughs) you know, who just seem to really dive into mechanics really thoroughly. Well, Akitoshi Kwazu, who's been making, he's been lead on, pretty much all the saga games um he's not afraid to try crazy things and he's not afraid to fail unlimited saga is proof of that (laughs) yes Um, that's very bold although a part of me thinks you know that game could have been successful if 
like there was a better manual to explain the mechanics. Yeah. yeah, if it's like it's like playing a board game, but you don't know the rules. Yeah, it's like a terrible version of Mario Party. Wow. Um, I think I think you're right. If you know what you're doing, the game's actually not bad, but it's it's unplayable if you don't like do your homework ahead of time. Um, that might be true for all the games. It gave us one of the greatest soundtracks. Oh yeah, well. Um, Masashi Hamamusu, his two games that he did for the series, Saga Frontier 2 and Unlimited Saga, in my mind, are some of the best music he's ever done and some mm-hmm. of the best in the series, even though Kenji Ito, who did pretty much all the other music for the series, I love Kenji is too, also but... awesome. Yes. Yeah, Hamamusu mm-hmm. is, um, so of good. all the composers I've met, he, he's, he's like <sighs> a living brain. He is like encyclopedic in his knowledge of how to make music and make it right. I love him. Mm. I heard he had a daughter and I was jealous of the daughter. Final Fantasy soundtracks were amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What was that about the daughter stuff? Oh, I heard he had a daughter and I was jealous of his daughter because I wish she was my dad just so I could listen to that all day. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things that you feel like you might get sick if it was like always around maybe. I don't know. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things maybe. But uh, hopefully she benefits from having such a cool dad. Dads make me play anyway. violin again. <laughs> oh, uh, that's, yeah. I'm not going to comment on that stereotype. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Saga, I want to tell you guys. Um, I Yeah, I, I have played every game in the series. and Get out of me, town. Yeah, every single one. I'm so glad you said that. And... I, you know, I started right from the start when I first got my Game Boy Final Fantasy Legend, which is the first saga. Um, is, oh, yeah, that's right. That was the one of the first mm-hmm. games I played on a handheld. Da-na, and um, yeah, the, yeah, the <laughs> Rising Sun music. It's uh, it's it's um, so I sort of struggle when I talk to people who are like, oh, these games are so like punishing or hard to follow or whatever because i'm like i played the game boy ones grow up like (laughs) get good so like that's yeah get good that's kind of my stance though i will say um it really depends on where you come at it but it's get with a capital t it is with a capital t get (laughs) good um (laughs) playing romancing saga two and three was really an amazing experience for me just from a historical standpoint um <laughs> anyone who's played saga frontier for ps1 like you know like okay we're sorry that game just feels so awkward and <laughs> and like it just doesn't make any sense but if you play the romancing saga trilogy it is this completely perfect and natural extension if you were a japanese gamer and you played through that trilogy on the super famicom and then that was the next game you would probably you'd know what's going on and what to do and i think it just wasn't right for a western audience at the time and was sega frontier the first game we got overseas um, besides legend other than other than the trilogy on game boy yeah. yeah um we lost the super famicom trilogy and then it came back slowly we got minstrel mm. song the 2005 remake of the first romancing saga on ps2 yeah. which i reviewed if you i think i also gave it my rpg of the year in 05 um if you dig back it's good, it's hard. Oh my gosh, it was hard. Uh, It's a great game. Yeah. Romancing Saga 2, um, I love that it was just sort of a sprite update, but then it was pretty much the same game, and being able to play that 
I feel like I learned so much about what Akitoshi Kwazo has been trying to do all this time. And I think of all the games I've played, I think Romancing Saga 2 might be the best. Um, wow. It's it's one of the two games, that and Saga Frontier 2, do the like the generational thing. Like you mm-hmm. play s- some stuff for a while and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, now it's 60 years later. Um, in Romantic Saga 2, your protagonist is nameless, whereas in Saga Frontier 2, you're following the lineage of Gustav and also this treasure hunter named Will. Um, it's complicated. And Will's descendants before that. Um, but Romancing Saga 2 is kind of this perfect game in my mind, whereas Romancing Saga 3 brought back the, you know, select your protagonist among many who sort of have intertwining paths. And depending on who you pick... You might have a really boring or crappy intro. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. the, the main game plays out pretty much the same. There are some differences on what you can do with the, the uh, what did they localize it as? The Four Sinistrals? I was like, oh, Lufia. For people who played like, like fan translations or if you were using like fan-made track lists of the soundtrack, for 20 years, which is what I had been doing, you called them the Noble Demon Lords, but all right. Uh, Sinistrals it is. Uh, yes, yeah, so is Sinistrals, though, so I'll take it. Anyway, uh, the, the work that goes into making a guide to figure out what's going on with these sort of open-ended games, I think the biggest problem for me was juggling save files and remembering which save file had me where. Um and for persistent achievements, like in Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions, where one continuous save file over multiple playthroughs, you need to pick up all 78 recruitable characters. And some of them have such insane flags that and some are exclusive to only one of the four characters. And yeah, routing that out. Uh, it turns out you can get the Platinum Trophy in five playthroughs. You got to play as Urpina oh twice. And then the others you can just do once, but you have to do it perfectly. And I had two people test it, and it's been it's been a road, you guys. But who has the time? Yeah, who does have the time? I did because it's the only RPG I played in 2020. Um, there you go. And it came out in December 2019, and I started the day it came out. Um, so I think it's the only RPG I played in 2020. I mean, other than Romancing Saga Reuniverse, which uh, <laughs> I played the closed beta of on uh, on my phone. And if you want to... I've been wanting to talk to you about this because it is a direct sequel, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's Romancing Saga 3 Part 2. Um, wow. Romancing Saga 3 has this uh, storyline that builds off this concept, concept of the Morastrum, that once every 300 years, uh, nothing lives. Anything that you would give birth to actually dies. It's just like a year of death. And they have like this backlog in Romantic Saga 3. They talk about what happened 600 years ago and what happened 300 years ago and then what happened in the present and you kind of deal with what happens in the present. So Reuniverse happens another 300 years later. So it's in that same world. Um, and they, But they use some you know fancy we have summoning magic mechanics to bring in characters from the entire series. And if you read, um, we did an interview, Neil helped coordinate it. Um, we did an interview with um, one of the producers um, whose name is escaping me, and that's a sh- that's shameful of me. 
for forgetting. But um, hang on for one second. I'll look it up for you. Thank you. Um, I asked specifically about you know translating the art styles of the different games to fit Romancing Saga three, and it's clear they did a lot of work. But I also asked, even in Japan, they didn't have anyone from the old Game Boy games. Um, and I get why. Those games were made by a fairly different team. I don't think Kawazu was involved, or at least not centrally involved with the original Game Boy games. But um, they told us in the interview that in Japan, they just released uh, Mr. S. And if you've played Final Fantasy Legend 2, <laughs> you know that I'm Mr. Sick. S is, is your teacher, and he's the first of the uh, guest characters that join you yeah and he is my hero and so i'm super psyched about eventually when the game comes out in north america uh they will release mr s as a limited character and i hope they bring in more of the old school saga characters because there's a lot of fun and neat named characters um including the villains which is another great thing about reuniverse um, some of the villains become playable characters that can join your party. Um, and they also took play- characters that weren't playable and made them playable. Like um, in Romantic Saga 3, you might remember this, Jono. Um, the, I mean, uh, I blocked out most of my memories of this game, but yes, continue. Oh, I bet you'll remember this. There were these two magicians feuding over uh, one of the relics. I think it's the helmet or the shield. Um, and it was uh, Volcano and yep. the the was... water ma- magician girl that I used. But you couldn't recruit Volcano. You could only recruit the girl. And I was like, what's up with that? Well, Volcano is totally in Reuniverse. So uh, pretty See, happy that's pretty about cool. that. That's pretty cool. So, so, like, they added from the roster. Like, non-playable characters made it. Mm-hmm. And they have, they have a descendant lobster. Uh, Boston. Oh, really? The lo- Boston, the lobster from Boston. Yeah, what's there's the, a new uh, one. What's the, the name? The purple lobster. Uh, Nalvor or something? Unfortunately, he doesn't have a very funny lobster name, which they really should have done, like, something from, I don't know, some other seafood Missed place. Missed opportunity. I know. Got a name uh, for you. Masanori Ichikawa? Yeah, Ichikawa-san. Yeah, he works, I think he's the lead for Akatsuki, who's uh, sort of the lead development staff specifically behind this game and they worked with square enix um a lot on like the continuity of the franchise and as someone who's played again every game in the series seeing characters come in from each game of course this is what all these mobile you know gotcha games do and the gotcha mechanic is actually um it's it's not bad it's not punishing and what's really cool is you can sort of build and level characters and sort of multiple scales it's hard to explain but they have multiple forms so you're not stuck on like oh this character is like naturally better than the other one so i'm never going to use my favorite character even you know just because they're like they always have lower stats you can recruit characters at like their a form or their triple s form and they usually each character usually has one or two or even three forms and as you level each one there's actually stat bonuses that apply across all forms and I didn't see that in games like uh, Final Fantasy Record Keeper or Language for Mobile or um, Fire Emblem Three Houses. So um, they're actually trying a lot of new and different stuff, which is what Saga is known for doing. 
Uh, people can try for themselves when it comes out later this summer, but I know it's been really um, popular. So I think it's been like you know the success of it is speaking for itself. Yeah, I'm I'm really hopeful for it. I feel like um, this is this is this is where Square Enix you know rolls the dice and takes risks, and they do weird stuff. I mean, even in the realm of music, um, they've put on stage plays and released soundtracks <laughs> for these stage plays. That's right. <laughs> they've never done that for Final Fantasy or Mana, like. This is the weirdest franchise Square Enix has ever done, and they've been doing it for a long time. And they, they have quietly really love it and support it almost. Yeah, and and of course, as we've said like a hundred times, the music to the oh, series is so just good. And then of course the art as well. The even the um, Game Boy games had good music. I mean, how's that? Oh yeah, the Game Boy games had incredible. Well, Nobuo Uematsu did the first game solo, mm-hmm. and oh cool. Um, I actually have from the twenty disc box set. I took the the sleeve for the first disc, which is the soundtrack for the first game, in 2010, that's uh, the first time I met Oematsu, Aww. and I'm name-dropping so hard, and got him to sign that, and he was, he was one, he said that was the first time he saw the packaging for the box set, and he was all excited, and he was looking through it. And then cool. when I asked him to sign it, he was like, oh, and, and then he wanted to keep it, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> get but, your own, um, you bozo. Get your own. Nice try, dude. Yeah, right? <laughs> But um, but I uh, wrote this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't you care. Should... Back of the <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, the music and then also the art. Um, to what is it? Um, it's I can never remember her first name, but the last name is Kobayashi. Or yeah, is it Kobayashi? I always remember that because oh, it, it, the usual suspects. Her oh, art style is like I love it. Out of this world, amazing. She also did art for this korean mmo called granado espada but she's mostly known for her work on the saga series and that sounds like a coffee she order. needs to keep d- doing that stuff forever yeah tomomi kobayashi yeah yeah she's yeah she's great her art style is great and so like that's one of the reasons i love collecting the soundtracks because the art packaging is just like insane on all of that mm-hmm. and then yeah so all the sort of accoutrement around the saga series is great but then it's like when you get into the nitty gritty of the mechanics. It's like, you have to choose to love it or like you need to stop because it's torture. So it's and, better to be like uh, a, a saga fan adjacent as opposed to a true saga fan. Yeah. I think that's, I think that would save you time to be a saga fan adjacent because otherwise like, like deep down in my heart, I've only gone through four of the eight characters in romancing saga minstrel song, the PS2 remake. And, like, my PS2 is sitting in the basement, and I'm just kind of like, someday before I die, I'm going back for the other four. Like, (laughs) that's what this series has done to me. It's that, to me, it's that good. People's reaction to the Sega series the first time they see it is very dramatic. They either love it or hate it. And if they love it, they will always love it. But if they don't, they may learn to appreciate it, but they will never become part of their soul. Yeah. Which is a quote from Pretty Woman that I just put, you know, instead of opera, it's it's Sega because Sega's a bit like opera. Yeah. <laughs> Except I yeah. like opera. Yeah, especially with the stage hey. plays. <laughs> <laughs> the stage plays. <laughs> I love that they do that in Japan and the and the whole like pop up restaurants and everything. Oh. Yeah, why can't we get like Kirby and Final Fantasy pop up restaurants here? Come oh on. My God, I hope like that's where I would do my wedding. <laughs> 
and like, I really nobody would come. I'm hoping that they'll open another <laughs> Nintendo store like here. Also, I would oh, go to your wedding God, if it was Kirby themed. Thank you. Awesome. All right, I think I'm done gushing <sighs> about my favorite franchise, but uh, just loud. real quick. That's a good gush. The, the plugs again PlayStationTrophies.org. I did the Platinum Trophy Guides for the last three games that have come out localized, and uh, we have a great interview. Um, Can we put like a link to it to the the guide in the show like, notes in the yeah. podcast notes. link? We'll throw show that down notes. there. Yeah, and then you'll have our interview for the Reuniverse uh, uh, producer, and hopefully, what hopefully the game's timeline isn't lost to COVID nonsense. And before the end of the summer, everyone will get a chance to play uh, a mobile game that doesn't suck. Not that all mobile games suck, but a lot of them. I do. know what you mean. Just, a lot of gacha games are rough. We yeah. talked about it last week, actually. Uh, yeah, but the interview is... It's a really good interview. Yeah. Yeah, that guy knows his stuff. I mean, he's clearly passionate, and I... Like, I think Neil and I were both really, like, surprised by how genuine and thoughtful the responses were, so... Oh, definitely. Well, it also shows off how passionate you are about the uh, series, and I think that probably reflected in the questions. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You actually get someone asking serious questions about things, <laughs> and mm-hmm. not just, like, your standard kind of, you know... Rigmarole. Well, okay. uh, you can go check out uh, Patrick's guides if you want to tour through uh, masochism. And otherwise, <laughs> um, speaking of gushing, uh, we're going to turn on over to Maneater uh, with Neil Shandran. Mm. Um, you can all enjoy the visuals yeah. of that uh, segue. But um, how is it being? <laughs> Try not to, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, we were just talking about how the Saga series, you know, was something different. Well, Maneater truly is something different. It's it's an RPG by Tripwire Interactive. I'm so intrigued by this thing. Um, it ca- came out in May, and basically everyone knows it as the RPG where you get to be a shark. About time. And it, yeah, right. And uh, the whole thing is kind of like a reverse Moby Dick where, (laughs) you know, instead, yeah, where instead of being Captain Ahab trying to catch the white whale that bit your leg off, you are the shark, you know, you're the baby shark who's growing up and wants revenge on the hunter that killed your mom and nearly finned you. And now that's stuck in all of your heads. Enjoy it. See, I love a good revenge <laughs> plot, you know? Like, that's why John Wick makes so much sense. Mm. Um, but, like, I, like, I'm not even saying that sarcastically. I love that it's actually trying to do something so totally different, <laughs> you know? That's to be awesome honest, I'm still sounding. stuck on the suggestive nature for a reverse Moby Dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but... Definitely wouldn't have expected much of a story th- from it, that's for sure. Yeah, like, there... Like, yeah, there really isn't much of a story because, well... You're a shark, and we don't know how sharks' minds, brains, emotional states works the way we understand the human experience. So, but what kind of helps is that Chris Parnell from um, you might know him from like Saturday Night Live, Rick and Morty, and Lazy being the Sunday box. baby Archer, yeah, <laughs> and being the box in some of those Geico commercials, he narrates. Like, it's a reality show, so when you're a shark <laughs> swimming around, he'll, you know, That's narrate fantastic. your, yeah, he'll, like, narrate your life. And then when it switches to the set pieces where they show, like, 
you know, the big bad hunter, Scaly Pete, trying, doing his thing, it, he narrates it like it's one of those seafaring reality shows like Deadliest Catch or something. Do they have, like, interviews and talking so, heads with him? <laughs> well, kinda. Like, like, the way the game opens is it's like something like Deadliest Catch where, you know, where they're on the boat and we're seeing the big bad Scaly Pete talking about, you know, what a great honor it is to kill sharks and how, <laughs> how can you coexist with an animal that wants to, you know, kill you, eat you and spit you out later. Those scenes are powerful. They set them up to be like a really good big bad. Like, so when you're a shark, you're like, I want to kill this guy. <laughs> you got your motivation. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, I really hope that when you and, battle him in the end, like, he has multiple forms. So I just want to see how that plays out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there isn't mul there isn't necessarily multiple forms in the final battle, but you do face him throughout the game. And so each time you face him, yes, he's built up his boat and got him gotten himself new weaponry yeah cause i was gonna say like what's i guess how does the power creep work in this game with the rpg mechanics like i mean obviously you're getting bigger so you're as you grow up so that's one way they can kind of shape the mechanics but it's not like yeah. evo back in the day where you could like literally evolve like sharper teeth game. or better fins and stuff like that which sidebar i would love to see evo redone in an engine like this oh, God, oh yes, my gosh yeah. i would live for that <laughs> yeah but yeah well, i would yeah. pay good money for that no kidding oh my gosh yeah. that's a great idea it, Someone pitch that to Enix now. <laughs> Where are those guys? Yeah, guys? Give it to a Kickstarter anyway. <laughs> how, yeah, so how did the progression work? Yeah. So as a shark, you're basically an eating machine. And different animals you eat give you different nutrients. And those nutrients can be are used as like skill points to put into various stats different nutrients, power, different kind of stats. And obviously, as you eat and consume more, you level up and get bigger. And also, there's various, like, quests in the game, and completing those opens up different evolutions. Like, for example, there's a whole bunch of lesser human shark hunters that you can kill throughout the game, and Defeating them gives you evolutions such as, you know, having bioelectric attacks or being able to, like, do a bullet time type thing temporarily so you can slow things down, get your target, and chomp them. So it's not completely, yeah. like, factual-based upgrades. Like, there is a bit of science oh, of fiction to the, uh, to the game as well. <laughs> is there an Austin exactly. Powers one where they put giant frickin' laser beams on your head? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you don't get... Sharks with frickin' you... laser beams. Yeah, you don't necessarily get laser beams, okay. but, yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, it, there, it, this is not a realistic game at all, because... It's good when you can play around a bit more. Exactly. I mean, because some of the evolutions, like I said, like the bioelectric or being able to grow um, bones that calcify into armor and or grow uh -oh. into one of the or or, when, like or if you max out, you be 
Yeah. Or if you max out, you're one of those giant megalodon sharks that existed in the time of the dinosaurs. So it's just, it was more about just having, just having fun and just going nuts with the concept of being a shark. The only thing about the game is that it often got a little repetitive because it was just basically, you know, eat, grow, kill, eat, grow, kill. And then, and then eventually you'll see like the set pieces with the big bad. So, so a pretty tight gameplay loop that doesn't really give a lot of diversity. Yeah. I mean, is there anywhere you and, saw uh, that they could shake it up that would have been more interesting aside from that? Because obviously, by limiting the kind of animal you are in the environment you're in, it sort of can limit gameplay. But obviously, mm-hmm. there's other things they could do. Because we were, because I remember, I think we were talking about um, like Demon Souls and Dark Souls earlier, and the game is. And I would say the game's difficulty is kind of like that, where it's punishing, yet still winnable. Like, even when you start out, you're a baby shark in the bayou, and in those waters, you're this level one little baby shark. And uh, it's very easy to run afoul of, like, a level eight alligator. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, there were times it felt like, such as life me messing like around with people ju- higher level than me. <laughs> uh. So, so there were times. So there were times I was like, "Man, I wish you know this game actually had like an easy mode, so I didn't have to grind so much." But on the other hand, when I was able to accomplish something awesome, it felt really good. Those are always satisfying feelings. <laughs> yeah, the hard it's a games, very especially. Line. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, my most epic moment in the game was in the was early on. I was a little baby shark. I was, and I was chomping. I was chomping a bunch of catfish somewhere, and then all of a sudden, a level eight alligator appears, and I'm trying to swim as fast as I can back to my grotto, which I think is a safe haven. But nope. The gator follows me. Oh, God. The gator enters. And I'm thinking, I'm dead for sure. I only have a sliver of HP left. Your shark life but did then not I go used... as planned. <laughs> but somehow, I just used a bunch of, like, stick and move tactics, and I somehow killed the gator. And I was like, nice. My baby shark is awesome. <laughs> Could you name your shark? Or... No, you can't name your shark. Your shark, your shark is just a generic female shark. Did you name your shark though? Not necessarily in the game, but like in your in your head cannon. Is the important question. <laughs> now you will. <laughs> did, did I name my shark? <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually, Sharkel. Terrible. Cow. God. <laughs> no. <laughs> you did throw me off with the female bit too. That's actually really cool. Because otherwise, I was going to say Rex Peters, which is a <laughs> go-to name for this sort of thing. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille uh, O'Neal. There's the winner. <laughs> Were you just sitting there in silence thinking about that, like just letting it sit and stew? <laughs> that and being impressed that no one has sang the song in all these times that uh, Neil has said the words "baby shark." Well, I said I referenced it earlier. I said it's all in your head. Then. 
<laughs> it's like making people lose the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's so Somebody cool. So whether it's a shark RPG. Yes. So that also means now that this character can be up for our uh, awards this this year for 2020's best RPG female protagonist. Sharkel. Why not? Sharkel the not? shark. The shark from Man. Why not? AKA Sharkel. That's when, how we need to list it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, that's good though. I'm glad that this played out well because I mean Maybe if it does well enough, hopefully we'll get a sequel, and yeah, maybe they'll get some more stuff going in, like you have to you have like escape scenarios or stuff like that. Maybe some more stealth stuff or whatnot, because it'd be neat to see like, yeah. oh, you gotta escape from Sea World or something like that, <laughs> and you gotta like mm-hmm. puzzle solve a bit to like break glass in the right place or grab some item that some dumb tourist like dropped in or something or whatever. Yeah. It'd be cool. See, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good point because when out because uh, when we were talking about what could have varied the game player made or varied things up a little. Um, yeah, some puzzle-solving type things would have been fantastic, because there really wasn't much of that. And another thing I think would have helped, like, with the narrative and the story, is that the only shark hunter that actually got storyline cutscenes was Scaly Pete, who's the ultimate big bad, whereas the other minor shark hunters... They didn't really get much of anything at all. All I knew about them was their mini bios in the menu, and I would have liked to see, you know, each of them get a really cool introductory sequence, you know, like on a TV show or something. Yeah, but at the end of the day, all those other shark yeah. hunters ended up just being filling. I mean, how can you beat? How can you beat the name Scaly Pete? Really, no one. <laughs> um, yeah, no kidding. Is he wearing like a alligator vest the whole time? Now, in terms of like, NPC and I thought stuff, it was very funny, Greg. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for humoring me. No, um, the in terms of like the RPG mechanic side of things, like the NPCs and such, was, was that a thing? Like, can you talk to the other animals in the water? Or are you too busy eating them? Nope, you're just too busy eating okay. them. The on- <laughs> yeah, the only real dialogue is Chris Parnell's wonderful narration. I like that. And of course the cutscenes with Scaly Pete. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Not a lot of diplomacy, I imagine, in You're a uh, shark. Man-eater. You go eat. <laughs> exactly. You never I like stop that, moving actually. or you die. <laughs> it's a gorgeous looking game. Yeah. It, like the yeah. underwater environments just look beautiful. Yeah, and and they don't just look good. They they flow really well too. Like yeah. the movement of your shark is super smooth. The movements of the other fish are smooth. The movements of, like, the gator, gators are smooth. You know, when you're, like, when you're going through, like, the reeds and stuff, that's really good. Swimming that's mechanics great. are hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only, yeah. The only time you see the gra- It's with the human characters is when the graphics take a bit of a nosedive. Cause, Always the humans. Well, but in the- Because in this case- cares about the humans the humans are the enemy yeah exactly is it more of a, is it a stylization thing or are they still trying to go for a certain element of realism mm. you know what i think it's a i think it is a little bit of both oh interesting just didn't quite hit it i think that yeah i've always been under the opinion that a mixture of the two is probably the best way to go because it can help you avoid some the uncanny valley. really uncanny valley places if it just looks a little bit cartoony 
It was like what we were talking about in that yeah. um, in the PS5 demo, like just how like the 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 protagonist in that demo back when they had that reveal, like she looked real in some ways, but just strange and unreal enough that you're just like, I buy this. Yeah. Yep, and that's exactly what Maneater went for. Is it an open world, or is it uh, like area to area? Well, thing is, it, yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much an open world open like water. sandboxy game, but but you know you have to you know reach certain levels to be able to access certain areas. Can you swim backwards, or did they keep that true to life? <laughs> mm. Let's see. Um, or even oh, stop. Yeah, exactly. Or stop Actually, moving. <laughs> let's see. Oh yeah, your shark can sit still. Um, Fake game. Yeah, I be- yeah. yeah, I believe it. Can- yeah, I believe you can. You can swim backwards. Okay, it's totally science you know, fiction it's- then. Oh yeah, they definitely. Yeah, they <laughs> definitely. Oh, they did not go for like. They- it was realism to an extent because. Sometimes, if you go too realistic, it's not always fun. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, Shenmue comes to mind. I mean, I spent so much time in that game simply just waiting. Because, you know, certain things happen on a certain day, and I'm like... Well, it's like, what? you want your Sims to go poop, Come but on. you don't need Cloud to go poop. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Is it though? <laughs> I don't want Cloud to go poop. I think <laughs> I think we got the headline for this episode. Yep. <laughs> it brings no a doubt. whole new meaning to the squat challenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, how many squats can you do? <laughs> don't um, fall back. Gosh. and that's how you do a podcast and all this from a discussion about an RPG where you're a shark on a reverse Moby Dick mission it's like the first RPG shark I remember since like Super Mario RPG trying to think of more RPG sharks yeah it's fair yeah and it's (laughs) yeah and it's one of the few where you know what you're not playing the human. You're playing one of the monsters. I love that. I want there to be more weird games like this. <laughs> more reversals, yeah. you know? I- I'm sick and tired of saving the world. I want to have my personal stakes, like defending my 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 grotto. <laughs> I would defend it. Gonna leave al- I'm going to leave alone. Um, <laughs> my yeah, lady cave. I, I was not going... Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh Steph, you're my hero. Every day. That's fantastic. <laughs> but the um the the uh there was that like action game that was kind of like um there's two of them because there's one where you were the one person was the big monster and everybody else was the team where they hunted the dim the monster down. But they also had that where there was a shark in like a like a sinking like submarine, kinda of like Deep Blue Sea, the movie. Uh, but basically into um, a video game world where one person was assigned as the shark in the multiplayer thing, and everybody else had to try and survive the shark. But I don't, remember, I don't think it did great, that but uh, awesome. I feel like it came out in like 2017 or 2018 or something. Hmm. I'm trying to think of even some more underwater games, to be honest. Not just like RPG sharks, but like, what games take place underwater entirely? Abzu. <laughs> Echo the Dolphin. Um, yep. 
Hold on. Echo, uh, I hated Echo. It's so cool, but it frightened the Actually, out of me. A kid, like, hold on. Get, it's so uh, trippy. It is. Deal? It's really right. weird. The Undersea Kingdom and Kingdom Hearts that everybody hated. Oh, I hated it, yeah. And they brought swimming to uh, Final Fantasy XIV and World of Warcraft back in the day as well. How was that? Oh. Oh, yeah. And uh, earlier this year, uh, I reviewed a game called Mythic Ocean, oh, yeah. which was... Which was kind of like a visual novel that took place completely underwater. The pages oh, wow. were that game was surprisingly good. Yeah, that game was... I thought that game was really good. Yeah, you did. You reviewed that one highly. And I guess full circle, we're going to see a lot of that apparently in Horizon yeah. Forbidden West. Those underwater segments look good. Yeah, it looked like it from the trailer. Yeah. I was playing mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild just while I was waiting for Xenoblade, and I'm so sad with how slowly that man swims. <laughs> like, even with Zora armor on, I'm so sad, and he drowns, like, after doggy paddling for, like, ten seconds. Like, you know, well, give him a break. He was a sleeper hunter. cardio. Years. Yeah, but he's got to build his cardio, and that's the best way to do it. It's true. He's it's easy letting on the body. us down. I'm also still, I've also been still slightly traumatized by Sonic's uh, drowning. But what? The the drowning in Sonic games, you know, when it plays the freaky music. Oh, I hate that so much. Like I don't know the the, the water stuff kind of terrifies who, who me a little that, bit. Who was it that did the bubble impression? Do it again. The bubble. Yeah. <laughs> who, who was that? It was Greg. <laughs> Greg. Greg, it's spot on, my man. Do it again. Bubble. Yes. <laughs> it feels right. It feels right. And now I want to go. <laughs> that terrifies me, man. I hate that. I hate a lot of underwater segments in games. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, would I love Man Eater or will I be terrified by it? Because the Banjo Kazooie shark scared me on the N64 when I was a kid. Didn't they have robot jaws or something, too? You're like, yeah, there's a big, giant, spooky metal fish, but it's friendly. Steph, I'll yeah. admit. Uh-huh. When I was when I was playing when I was playing Man Eater, uh-huh. particularly when I was in the early levels, uh-huh. I was sc- I was scared <laughs> of the gators. I mean, don't get. I mean, I'm naturally scared of alligators anyway because they're, they're a pretty of. frightening animal. Yes. But in this game, uh, they were they were probably the scariest things I had to face. I now just wish yeah. that somewhere in that game they had hidden the Easter egg of like an abandoned pair of Crocs just sitting on the bottom of the river. <laughs> oh, crikey, look at that croc. <laughs> it's just like crocs, the sandals. <laughs> we all should have left them alone. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Neil, about uh, telling me about your button gnashing. About and, Shark uh, Week, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Your RPG Shark Week. RPG Fan Shark Week. That's what we need to call the stream and, uh, if we stream it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Although, coming back to button mashing, button mashing is the easiest way to die in Maneater. You do not want to button mash in this game. Oh, I'm so glad when games do that. Yeah. And, oh, and, and speaking of controls, whether you're playing with the PC, WASD plus mouse, or a gamepad, controls pretty well. It controls really okay. well with both. As fluid as the swimming. Exactly. <sighs> I dig it. I've had Joy, Joy-Con drift issues, so, you know, every so often I... I got to fight and wrestle with Xenoblade, but that's about it. Oh, that's unfortunate. I've been <laughs> thankful ours haven't had the issue, but we have like the Eevee one. So I wonder if oh, the yeah? Eevee Pikachu Joy-Cons maybe missed that flaw. I don't know. We, we'll see. Hmm. 
but so far I, I yeah up. may it never befall you <laughs> yeah and i know it doesn't hit everybody so i'm just i'm holding out that one of our two sets both of them stay fine but we shall see uh but yeah that brings us i guess to the end of the episode well the one question i did want to propose to uh steph uh now mm-hmm. that we're getting this remake remaster of demon souls is this finally the time that you're going to stream with rob backseat driving you <laughs> oh my god you remember that sure do <laughs> Yeah, he's going to shout slogans at me, to, and uh, you'll probably hear me cry on stream just because, you know, I, I can only handle those games so well and yelling so well. But yeah, I'd love to do that with Rob. <laughs> That'd be really fun. Bring back Demon's Souls and just get... And bring, yeah, an RPG fan vet back. That'd be great. That's uh, that's AAA viewing right there. Stop <laughs> crying while Rob is just like, no, you're doing Sorry. it wrong. We'll break a thousand viewers in no time. Yeesh. <laughs> There's someone crying on stream. It becomes, yeah, a whole big deal. Man, man, it's almost going to be like, you know, a dad and their teenage daughter just first learning how to drive. <laughs> or better yet, a dad and their teenage daughter playing Minecraft together, but the daughter's yelling at the dad. <laughs> it's basically going to be our life. Penny Arcade had a great comic about that recently where he was like, my son and I are playing, are playing um, Minecraft together. And he's like, I just made myself a stone pickaxe. And then it pans over to his son who's got like diamond armor battling the ender dragon already. And he's like, I've been playing for two whole hours. <laughs> and I'm like, that's basically it with our daughter. Yeah, that's Minecraft. The kids surpass us. It's, it's tragic. Um, Pat, are, are, do you kids game it's much? Tragic, Have they started getting games, past you? Yes. They are in their own world. Uh, my oldest is addicted to Fortnite. My other two are doing Animal Crossing pretty hardcore right now. Um, they don't do much in RPGs. My middle child is on Chapter 4 for all characters of Octopath Traveler, but he hasn't cleared any yet. So looking forward to that day. I promised him ice cream when he does it. So, I mean, I'm literally <laughs> bribing him to play a good RPG, but it's worth it. It might get them hooked on ice cream That's or the- RPGs. One or the other. Well, they're already hooked on ice cream, so, you know, we'll get them to the other thing and we'll be good to go. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's uh, it's humbling when they start beating you at things, so for now. I, I was playing... Um, well, yeah, they Nintendo. kill me in first-person shooters. There you it's go, right? Insane. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to finally beat Gwen at Nintendo Land, but she claims she was rusty, but, like, she usually just destroys us in, like, the Luigi's Mansion thing. But we busted out the Wii U and we're playing that, and oh, I was like, yeah. just yeah. wrecking her as the ghost, and she's like, I'm, I'm just rusty. Yeah. I haven't played in a long time. I'm like, last yeah, time I sure. played was with you, so sure. Yeah. But I'm also a pro I actually, because I played that, Luigi's Mansion 3, so Yeah. I now that you mentioned Nintendo games, yeah, they um the newest Smash Brothers Ultimate, um that I can't I can't beat any of my kids. Why would you that. even do they that to yourself? <laughs> um yeah. they're my children, so I you know, if they ask me to play I will, but they... But the game already has a literal punching bag in it. They don't need you too. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Well, I'm supposed to be an interactive punching bag. I think oh, that's. I think that's good fatherhood. I don't know. I haven't back read sometimes. the books in a while. Uh, he gets back sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. At any rate, uh, thank you all so much for being on. Uh, for folks who are listening, you can. Um, you, you like I said, you can call me to complain. No, you can email me uh, at podcast at rpgfan.com to uh, share with us your tales of various gaming things and comment on everything we've talked about. I do like reading that stuff. We, uh, if you have any questions, we'll answer them. Exactly. We have uh, also, uh, Steph, you know what? This is your bag. I'm going to let you run this part. Uh, we got social medias. Where can people find us on the social meets, Steph? 
<laughs> uh, for social meds, you can find us. We are RPG Fan Com. Uh, some jerk out there probably already took RPG Fan. Uh, lucky them. But we are RPG Fan Com on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, what, YouTube? Like, we are everywhere. Anywhere you guys want to follow us, we are there. Um, so yeah, please follow us. We're always, we kind of post different content, like, or, like, depending on the site too. So I mean, it kind of helps to follow us wherever you go. Um, but yeah, yeah please follow us. You can have... cards are great on Instagram. For uh, I love example. making those things. Yeah. yeah those are cool. <laughs> I'm hoping we can Patreon those into an actual magazine someday. <laughs> oh, I'd love to do like a, like a mini zine almost kind of thing. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Just like a small, like even like five page PDF of just cool RPG junk we can send you. Oh, we are dreaming. Yeah, exactly. And where can people and find that? Send us your places. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It all starts with dream. <laughs> and uh, where can people find you personally since we were talking about hyping up your art and stuff? Yes. Yes, that's right. Uh, I love talking video games and I like drawing a lot of video game stuff. Um, you can find me most places dice, like playing dice. So dice, SMS, uh, just about everywhere. Just type it into Google. You'll probably find me. And Twitter, especially. Yeah. Yeah. You are very active yeah. on the twits. The twits. Uh, and we've got... Um, <laughs> the twatter. <laughs> the tw- oh, gosh. <laughs> very, again, very different can we website. say that? <laughs> very different website. Uh, we have, we have uh, yeah. Neil, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, Dincrest on the Discord. There you go. I keep a low profile. <laughs> but it's a vocal one when, it, when he chooses to talk. We've got uh, Patrick Gann. Where do people find you to talk about game music and Saga and I guess some other things if you feel like it? Sure. Um, Twitter's the best place to hit me up. I'm Gameadactyl. That's Pterodactyl. But replace P-T-E-R with the word game. And uh, good luck spelling it. And uh, geez, I'm not on Discord. You can find me uh, you can find me in the club. Um, net. <laughs> Um, uh, if you get on the forums there, I'm active. I'm actually currently running a sale. If you want some video game music, uh, you can get it for 40% off the market value. some good music. Yeah. Um, some of you that, some of you on this very podcast already got in on some of that. Some of you I still need to mail to. Hi, Neil. Uh, working on it. Um. All good. All good, man. It's, it's on its way. Um, and then also, uh, if you are inclined to read about the intersection of video games and faith, I sometimes write for a website called lovethynerd.com and you can go there and leave comments on my writing. And we've got John Tooker. Tooker, you, um, yeah, I guess you, you still, you still <laughs> bounce around the side a little bit here and there, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Got a couple of couple of reviews coming out uh, uh but that's about it um i would say the, about the only place to find me online is uh john underscore tucker underscore insta on instagram you can see me posting pictures of stuff i'm 3d printing or nice scenery that i'm seeing or at the moment more like politically also lots of, of alpacas yes <laughs> alpacas um and just because i want to shop you around too you have an etsy store don't you I, I do, and my uh, my uh, Instagram profile has a has an actual link to it. But oh, uh, it's uh, it's at designs by John uh, on Instagram or uh, on on Etsy. Mostly, I, I sell things to help you if you knit or uh, spin yarn. But I also have some stuff like dice towers. 
if you uh, play the uh, pencil and paper type of RPGs. So, yeah. And uh, I guess that leaves Jono. Yeah, so uh, Jono Logan, I'm on Twitter, uh, occasionally on the Discord. Um, yeah, and I guess you can hear me here every two weeks. It's pretty good times, actually. I should know. Yeah, yeah, we like it. <laughs> and I'm at Greg Delmage, uh, G Delmage on our Discord. And uh, that's about it. You want to listen to our podcast? We got you know 190 of these things, and this will be 191. We've also got which means that in nine episodes we're going to be hitting 200. So if you have any suggestions about what you'd like to hear, any ideas, send them off to us. Yes, please. Again, that's podcast at rpgfan.com or uh, just message me directly on Discord or Jono. We'll get to you, and we would uh, love to hear some love to hear some ideas coming in for uh, what we want to do for this big old 200th bonanza. We are never going to catch up to Mike Solosi on Retro Encounter, but you know we're finally breaking 200, so that makes me happy. Uh, but yeah, we have Retro Encounter, tons of episodes of that, game journals, uh, random stuff just to chit-chat about, uh, about uh, gaming past and top whatever lists. They just had a, a big battle about best game consoles, which that I would that not have fun. wanted to be on that panel. Were you yeah. on the episode, Steph? <laughs> we came out pretty sad. Yeah, I was on that one. We came out pretty sad at the end because we had to say goodbye, you know, the, we had to pick favorites between two babies we loved. Yeah, um, it will have gone <laughs> the up. The Sophie's Choice of Gaming, I hated to call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will have gone up by now. What uh, what ended up winning? Um, it was the PlayStation one. Oh, yeah, that's or that's the a, SNES. I, mean, that's I forgot. A good one. one and two was one of those two. Oof, oof. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, hard choice. Big ones. <laughs> I'm cool with that. But PS One is <laughs> the only thing we had left. It wouldn't be a bad thing to have left. Uh, and then uh, we <laughs> have Hat and way. Eric over at feet. I could play Thousand Arms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> only <laughs> Thousand Arms. Uh, and then we've got uh, Hat and Eric's Phoenix Edge podcast, keeping up with the latest, greatest. They just dropped uh, their last one was some speculation on Final Fantasy 16, actually, which is uh, some fun stuff that I'm sure we'll get more on in the next coming years and we'll all have wild speculations. But uh, that's about it. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really anything else to cover. Jono, you got anything else to cover for you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, did you mention Rhythm? Uh, I guess it would be remiss also, uh, as John was saying, to not mention uh, ran- uh, Rhythm Encounter. You know, Patrick's even here. Our, it would be offensive to not mention music around him or Neil, two of our biggest music lovers of video game music. I mean, well, so Steph as well, but just Neil never shuts up about <laughs> the bass. He's all about that bass. And uh, <laughs> and Patrick yeah. writes all of the things about music. So there you go. And uh, and I just imagine Steph has lots and lots of music, uh, lots of lo-fi jams to study to while she's um, drawing. So Study slash work to, yep. Yeah, exactly. You got it. <laughs> uh, but yes, there's also Rhythm Encounter, some back episodes of that if you want to go listen to some top game music and listen to the dulcet tones of Stephen Myrink and uh, Derek Heemsberg and Caitlin and Peter. And yeah, there's lots of people on there talking about music and it's great. Uh, John, uh, sorry, Mike Salbato was on there a lot too, actually. So there's lots of lots of stuff to listen to at RPG Fan. Uh, but you know what you don't have to listen to? Me anymore, because I'm going to say goodbye. So thanks so much for listening. All you many people, thanks for being on. And now for myself and this horde of uh, panelists, bye now. Be seeing Later. you. Bye-bye. If that's all good with you, Mr. Took. Yeah, yeah. John Took. Cool. Sounds a lot like Tom Nook. I don't know how I feel about that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I will not try to sell you a house. I know nothing about real estate.